welcome to tune in to DLC, especially if you are one of our geeks who speak. Getting ready to vote? We only got two more weeks, November 8th. If you're an American citizen, get out there and vote. Make your voice heard. Be one of the geeks who speaks because I'm telling you, gamers need their voice heard too. Not just for the presidential election, but all the down-ballot stuff. Learn about all the propositions that are on the ballot. It's, it's a big, big year, so get out there and vote. But we're going to be talking video games because DLC is on the air. And DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. Completely free, and that's thanks to our sponsors this week, Mac. Wilden and Linode. They made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show, all about games. And there are many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who is very much Ready for Halloween, right? You're assembling that costume, Christian. Christian Spicer, everybody. Oh, costumes have been assembled and tried on. We are 100% ready to go. Two quick things up top. One, there's bonus content at the end of this episode where Devendra Hardwar and I talked uh, Batman Arkham everything spoilers. And it's like a 20 or 30 minute chat, including Batman Arkham VR. And then a quick up top plug for the little Patreon I have, which is just Christian Spicer, where I dropped a day of... Hours after the Switch reveal, hot takes that I've now thought about for a week, and they're all different, but uh, (laughs) the format allows for things like that, like day of hot take impressions, so you can find that at patreon.com slash Christian Spicer. Good stuff, man. Uh, this I don't even I'm I'm, I'm not even sure how we're going to get through this episode today. It, it is there's so much to talk about, so what? many jam packed things. Can I make a suggestion? What's that? Just slide off a Joy-Con and hand one to me. Hand one to our guest, and you keep one, and we'll just all we'll all just you know we'll, we'll turn them good. sideways. Well, we do have a great guest. I'm so excited. Uh, but you know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata, your downloadable Christian. This week, DLC stands for Digital Londoner at Condé Nast because we have one of my favorite people on the internet and the head of digital for Condé Nast in Britain, Mr. Will Harris, is with us. Hey, Will. Good evening, chaps. For yes, it is evening here in the future. <laughs> oh well. Oh wow. Um, are we okay in the future? Is everything all right? Uh, I hate to break it to you guys, but Trump just won. No, no. <laughs> well, so much for this episode of DLC, everybody. I, I thought you guys were just a few hours in the future. Uh, <laughs> well, oh, do you also no. have that sports Beckett from 2016? Like what else? Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, no, no, no. It's it's so great to be um to be on the show. You know what? I was um last week. I was sat on my sofa in my apartment, and I was just kind of like fiddling around on Twitter and listening to the last episode of DLC. And as I'm listening to the last episode of DLC, I get this like DM on Twitter from Jeff going, hey, do you want to be on the next episode of DLC? And I have this real like sort of matrix, like inception moment where I'm like, hang on, Jeff is talking to me on Twitter, but he's also just talking in my ear hole next to me. I don't, what, what? So of course I have to say I like to, to blow yes. minds. That's my, my, I like to, you know. Blew to... my mind. Yeah. Um, we're, we we got to get rolling into the show as much as I'd, I I want to find out what you're doing, uh, Will. So what what are you doing these days? So yeah, I was I was impressed with your summary. So um, I work at um, uh, Condé Nast, which publishes magazines you may have heard of, like Vogue and GQ and uh, Wired, being some of the biggest. Mm-hmm. And you can obviously read daily, hourly updated content on the web um, from those magazines. So I I run the teams that produce all of that over here. 
Awesome. Very cool. Well, we'll find out more towards the end of the show, but uh, like I said, huge news, big games to talk about. Uh, it's We, we got to get into this. Let's start with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. Ho, ho, ho. We got some doozies to choose from. Um, Will, you are our guest. Uh, you get first pick of stories. Always, you're able, as a listener, to submit stories for our consideration using our hashtag on Twitter, DLCSOTW, or by visiting our subreddit, which is deal, uh, excuse me, 5x5DLC.reddit.com, where there's a great community of folks talking about the show and talking about video games. So head over there. But, Will, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. So what is your story of the week? So listen, guys, I think it's pretty clear there is really only one big story of the week this week. It's a new announcement from Nintendo. It's a forthcoming product that we're all excited to see. Yes, there is going to be a Halloween update for Pokemon Go. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you brought that up because uh, everybody's buzzing about the... Uh, I mean, that is that is the Nintendo announcement we're talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, or, or we could switch topics. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> Jeff, you yeah, I mean, obviously, game. we have to talk Nintendo Switch. Yes. So uh, we, we talked about last week, we talked about the possibility that they would unveil it. They did. Uh, and unveil is, is really all they did because there are many gaping questions, gaping holes in the information uh, that uh, we, we don't know much. We got a trailer, basically, a trailer for a piece of hardware. But it's a pretty awesome trailer, and it's a pretty exciting concept. It is a lot of what we have been speculating about for the last you know, year, year and a half of this crazy hybrid home console slash portable. It's got a dock. You plug it in. I think everybody that's listening to this probably already knows all this stuff yet. Um, Will, what is your reaction to that trailer? I cannot decide is the short answer, right? The, it, it was, there were so many questions that were left from that. I mean, on the one hand, I'm excited. It seems like something genuinely new and different, which we know Nintendo is good at. I'm excited for New Zelda, for Portable Mario, for all these kind of things. On the other hand, it's hard not to think of it as like a slightly rubbisher iPad with a really bad Bluetooth controller. <laughs> um, and so I just feel like it just really could go either way for me. Right. Well, you know, a lot of people I, I saw on Twitter talking about how, you know, Apple has sort of bit refused to release any sort of official iPad controller option to, to have uh, dev support. So in a lot of ways, people have been wanting some thing like this that actually has buttons and sticks that can create good games instead of having to rely on touch for everything. Uh, so in, in one sense, I think, you know, uh, Basically, an iPad with some some buttons isn't necessarily a bad thing, uh, but it certainly um, it certainly looks more interesting than that, right? Because all of these crazy applications for how these Joy-Con controllers, which, by the way, you can't call it a Joy-Con controller. That's like calling it a joystick stick, right? It's either a Joy-Con or it's a Joy controller, right? But it's not a Joy-Con controller. Anyway, that's like saying pin number. It drives me nuts. Anyway. Oh, or uh, key KPI. That's the one we always have. Yeah. Ugh. 
anyway, but there's lots of crazy applications for this stuff. As as Christian was mentioning, you can you know you can have them independently in your hands, just sl- slid off of the uh, screen, and you know you're holding them in one in each hand. You can have hand one to your friend, and now there's two controllers for your thing. You can uh, attach them to some sort of weird middle unit that turns them into kind of a controller. Uh, so it's it's a pretty interesting thing, and and they showed this crazy uh, mount that lets you mount the um, the screen to your car's head seat, you know, like a, the back of the seat, the headrest is what I'm, what I'm looking for. Uh, so all these crazy applications for this thing that I think maybe are they're trying to set it apart from just any old uh, iPad kind of device. Uh, do you find any of that compelling, Will? I mean, no. But um, I just, the thing I just thought about the Joy-Con controllers is like you, you see people sliding off the Joy-Cons and like using them for like a two-player game and it's something. It's like how small do your hands have to be? You just to make wow. like a callback, you need like Donald Trump-sized hands <laughs> to be able to play these things comfortably. It just it just doesn't look feasible. Like well, hey Brexit, you leave our political system out of this, all right? <laughs> <laughs> we're just uh, we're just bitter. We're just bitter, Christian, and we're just taking it out on anybody that will listen. But it, they just seem really, really, really tiny, and it's like the complete. You know, it doesn't even look like it's got double triggers. You know, it. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, some some hot takes from the from the uh, chat room already. Uh, Pastor M. Titus says, "My daughter, six year old, thought it was pretty cool. My wife, non gamer, thought, why would I want to carry around another device, especially one that can't fit in my pocket." Because um, I think that's because think nothing are... fits in a girl's pants pocket, though. So well, that's true. No, but girls have handbags. That's why the seven plus exists is for handbaggery. Uh, Christian, what's your what's your hot take on this? Before we dig a little deeper, well, my hot take on the trailer, and um, I'm, this might come across as silly, but I mean it, and I think it was an intentional move by Nintendo. Or if you look at the GameCube, it got labeled as Kitty. The Wii had the you know the they pull up to your house in a little smart car, and they're like, "We would like to play," and like kind of like family friendly for the first un- in the Wii U. Who cares what was <laughs> I don't know, whatever that was? That was a, a a marketing mess from the get go. But this, I felt like very intentionally was like cool kids play nintendo games cool kids at the park cool kids in the car cool girl you want to go on a date with at a party like it's very the guy who brings the nba video game to an actual basketball court is not the kind of guy i want to hang out with. no you got to rotate out dude it's a popular court have you ever gone to like venice and tried to get a court jeff you got to have something to do while you're waiting right (laughs) And I loved, I loved the the shot where they had the guy on the plane playing it. And you can get if you just sort of watch like the screen grabs. It's basically like the guy in the middle seat next to him is basically like roll eyes so hard. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like who is this nerd with and then the this guy? Thing. The other guy's like angry, staring out the window, like. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I think it was deliberate. It had you know like the the catchy hipster song underneath, and I think they're trying to sell this to. Um, a millennial crowd. I think they kind of know they'll get kids because it's Nintendo. So it felt like a move to to go after that older crowd that's maybe more t- tethered to their phones and stuff like that and their devices. Um, and I know it's a super unique uh, device or like use case, but for someone like me that travels a decent amount, um, I'm super excited for that. I own two PS4s. I have a PS4 in my office and one in my living room. And, you know, if I could just have two docks and bring this thing between my office and living room, take it on the road with me, uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. I total, I think I'm an outlier in terms of like this satisfying a need, but the uses for this thing really excite me. 
Yeah, my hot take is is similar. Uh, I, especially as somebody who just had a child, this is like, oh, a godsend for me. This is exactly what I need is the little screen that I can have with me. And also seems to me that this is exactly the device that all of us who saw the Wii U at first went, that's what the Wii U should be. When the Wii U was announced, it's like, can it do this and this and this? And they were like, oh, no, no, it doesn't do that. Well, it should do that. And then this is what they made. You know, the Switch is basically all of those things that we wanted it to be. It's like, well, why can't I just plug this thing in and then it's on my big screen and then take it with me wherever I go? And it's like, oh, well, Wii U, you got to keep within, you know, IR distance of your console. It's like, but that breaks the whole, like, it's on my gamepad and I walked away. Eh. So it seems like they took those notes and ran with them. <laughs> so can we talk about the fact it's using game cards? Yeah. Like, what yeah. the heck? So Is this 2019-99? Well, it, so there's known knowns and there's known unknowns, right, uh, with, this, with this reveal. Uh, a lot of the things we know is, yes, it uses cartridges or what they're calling game cards, um, which I think has a fun sort of retro feel. And um, I don't know. I think that's kind of neat. Are you, are you turned off by that, Will? In, I mean, it seems to me that, like, if the point is portability, then, like, having to carry discs and things around with you is, like, a bit of a pain. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you have it just all downloadable like a, like an iOS app? Well, well I think even that's if- the... I think that's going to be the push, but they need to have media to sell at a store. I mean, this is Nintendo after all, but I think they will kind of lean heavily towards digital. And the PSP is a glaring reminder of portable disc-based media is not the best. (laughs) That thing was kind of... I love my PSP, but that disc-based delivery was a disaster in my opinion. Let's also talk about some of the other known knowns here. Uh, What they showed is... uh, Games, some games that we didn't know about, like a Mario, like a 3D Mario playing on this thing, a very short snippet. Uh, They showed uh, a Splatoon. I don't know if this is the old Splatoon or some new Splatoon. They showed Skyrim running on this, although when asked for comment, Bethesda said nothing to announce right now, which is very strange messaging, from my opinion. Uh, NBA 2K17 again, uh, no announcement from EA at this time, but... 2K. Excuse me, I said yeah, yeah, two K uh, from this at this time, but it was shown in the trailer. They showed obviously Zelda playing on it. Uh, what else do we know that we know? We know it's a Tegra chip from Nvidia that has been confirmed by Nvidia. This is the same chip, uh, or at least the same architecture that was used in the Nvidia Shield. Although we don't know if it's a newer version of that. The the uh, Shield used a chip based on the old. Um, GTX 900 series, one assumes that since the 1000 series is out now, the 10 series from NVIDIA is is out now, one assumes that that chip is based on that, but we don't know for sure yet. But that does seem to confirm that this thing is going to be much less powerful than its peers, the PS4 and the Xbox One, especially since we're getting new versions of Xbox One and new versions of PS4 that are more powerful. So... You know, Nintendo continues to not really care about the power game. Uh, We know that uh, a whole raft of third parties have signed up to make stuff on this thing. Um, That's pretty much what we know. And we know it's got all these crazy applications. So let's talk about the known knowns before we get into the things we don't know yet. Christian, what do you think about all of that stuff? 
I think it's exciting. It's what you want to hear, right? I mean, it's easy to be cynical and say, oh, well, great. Uh, Skyrim's going to come out, but the, it's going to be um, the non-special edition. And then Bethesda's not going to put another game or it's going to be all party games from these developers or whatever. But in terms of like an initial reveal that leaves you wanting more, which is my, my cynical part is like, okay, but this thing launches in March. Like I need more now, but leaving all that out. Um, they they gave you what you wanted to hear and what you were looking for. They have substantial third party support. Um, they but have they've always announced a big long list of third parties when they announce new consoles, and then it doesn't bear out. Well, sure. So that's what I'm saying. It's easy to be cynical about it, but I'm saying like when they announce this thing, it's nice to see them doing that again. They're aware that it's a perceived problem, and like always, they're trying to you know, make us feel better that this time they've learned their lesson. So I'm going to, for tech I can't buy yet, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they've learned their lesson. (laughs) And I think they showed a nice diversity of games in the the launch trailer. I think it was nice that they had uh, a third-party game shown in there. I think it was cool. And then, you know, some of the hits, right? Splatoon, Mario, and, and sports, which before Nintendo has not really been a major console for sports franchises. So to highlight that, as a, as a game in the trailer, I thought was cool and a little different take for Nintendo. And then I think um, the idea that the, uh, NVIDIA came out with their press release in terms of the knowns and saying like, hey, we made this custom chip and it's all kind of, you know, I'm not a tech guy, but the idea that like we've baked it into the chip, like we're, you know, we know what this is, but we worked really hard to make sure everything works really well on this thing, I think is is nice and reassuring too. It's It's I think it was nice that NVIDIA put that out instead of just us speculating that like, oh, it's just a stock Tegra from the shield. They're kind of saying, hey, we worked on some stuff. We have experience doing custom chips like this thing's going to be pretty cool and work well for what this device is. So I think in terms of what we know, I'm pretty happy with what they've shown. I'm excited to get to the what we don't know yet, but uh, (laughs) right now I'm happy. Will, it sounds like you're a little more skeptical. Yeah, I have to say, Casey Asante in the in the chat room says, you know, the Wii U came with a lot of third-party announcements until they all stopped. And I just have this sinking feeling that we'll get, like, a raft of third-party games to start, and then everybody will be moving on to the PS4 Pro and the Xbox Scorpio and everything else, and we will just be left with what we've had. You know, not just, because this is good, but we'll have new Nintendo, new Mario Kart, new Smash Bros., new Mario, new Zelda, all of which are great, but none of which are really expanding, like, the world um, of gaming. Well... My, my counterpoint to that, and, and I, I think that's a valid point, but I think my counterpoint to that is if this really does signal the end of the 3DS, if what they're saying now is instead of having one console for your house and one console for your pocket, we are making... But they haven't more. said that. They haven't. In fact, They said they, the opposite, right? No, they haven't ex- explicitly said the opposite. They said we'll have more information about the future of the 3DS shortly. Oh, <laughs> okay. But, but there's a lot of more information soon, which is very <laughs> weird for an announcement. It's like we're announcing something, kind of. Uh, but <laughs> if if this is a you know a consolidation of all Nintendo's resources onto one console, which is kind of what I'm hoping it is, if the awesome teams that put out amazing 3DS games and the awesome teams that put out amazing Wii U games all start working on the same console, you're going to have more often, you know, getting games more often. There'll be releases more frequently. And the high quality of stuff will, will just permeate the system because, you know, you have these awesome 3DS games that are coming out periodically 
but they're made for the handhelds. Like, there's two Zeldas, right? The Zelda, the uh, Link Between Worlds is an amazing game. I loved that game, and I hope we don't lose that kind of Zelda in the future if the 3DS goes away, right? Well, I, th- I think we're I think we're actually likely to get not so much Switch ports of Xbox and PlayStation games, so much as Switch ports of 3DS and iPhone games. I think that's probably true, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing either, right? Those that can all live in the same ecosystem, and yeah. you know, kind of like the uh, you know Xbox Live Arcade and PlayStation, you know, th- these downloadable smaller experiences. And because you can take them on the go, maybe they're even more appropriate than sitting in your on your couch and playing an Xbox Live Arcade experience, you know. Um, and those experiences also have morphed into being much longer, bigger things that that used to be, you know, the hexic of the world, and now they're more like these big campaign, big, you know, um, digital revolver type games. So I'm very hopeful that this is going to ha- be supported with a bunch of great software that it's going to let me play uh, in, a, in you know, much more convenient way, especially with, you know, letting the television live on its own with my family and they can do whatever they want and let me, you know, kind of how I use my Wii U now a lot, but also I can leave the house with it, especially because <laughs> within the same couple of days, there was the Nintendo Switch announcement and the announcement from Tesla that, you know, fully autonomous cars are going to happen. I'm like, how perfect is this? I'm just going to be sitting in my Tesla Model 3 playing my uh, Nintendo Switch going where I need to go. It's the future. It's- I look forward to reading about you in the Darwin Awards, good sir. Oh, no, that's what's, it's what it's for. That's what the future is for. Okay, so let's let's transition now to the things we don't know. There's a lot. Everything else. <laughs> don't know uh, what kind of battery life this thing is going to have, which I think is very important information, Right. And if it's a standard USB charger, like that, if, if I get two hours, but I have a, it's a standard micro USB charger, something like that, I, I shrug it off a little better than if it's some proprietary charger that Nintendo doesn't include in the box in Europe. <laughs> or it can only be charged in the dock. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Don't say that. And you laugh, and you might think that's improbable, but I discovered today on my pre-order of the, the NES Classic Mini... That it comes with a USB power cable, but no mains plug to power the power cable. <laughs> what? It's literally just the USB cable. Then, if you want to actually plug it into the wall, you've got to like provide your own USB your own USB plug. Well, we don't even have pre-orders for it yet, so maybe they're working so, on plugs. <laughs> so this is like this is not as improbable as you may think. We also it's got to it's got to be mini USB. Yeah, I I really hope so. Uh, we also don't know if it has a touch screen. There's literally no shot in the in this trailer of anybody touching the screen in any way. Uh, although there is a article on um, Polygon this morning showing a um, patent application from Nintendo where it has all kinds of crazy functionality, including touch screen, including a weird like wave your hand in front of it, and it can tell that you're throwing a ball at the screen. Uh, classic Nintendo, like, insanity. But let's just stick with touchscreen. Will, do you think it's vital for them to have a touchscreen, or do you think that is problematic because, obviously, when you plug it into the dock, you don't have anything to touch anymore? They've got to have a touchscreen because not so much for gaming, I don't think, but it would be madness if this thing didn't have Netflix didn't have a, I mean, we don't know that it has Netflix. We don't know that it has a browser. So that's your list of things that we don't know. But if you can't just power this up on Wi-Fi and browse the internet, like this would 
that that would be crazy. So I think it has to have a touchscreen to, um, to 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 function as a normal kind of just basic tablet. What do you think, Christian? I think it has a multi-touch, which is a first for Nintendo, right? The 3DS and the Wii U are both like a single touch. I think this is their first kind of multi-touch um, screen. To, backing up really quick to battery, I'm curious: do the Joy Cons have batteries too? Like, how do they have to right? How, yeah, how do those charge in each one? Because they can be run independently of each other. Like, how many cables and and well, charging pieces? Yeah, it's it. Yeah. You just put a, like, no, I'll bet the Joy-Cons only charge off the main unit. and they're Not and like they're a AAA really re- or something? No, no, they're just rechargeable things. That thing isn't thick enough to put a AAA in it. Hmm. Yeah, ah, I don't know. A lot oh, of I don't know. What, do you, what, what about you, Jeff? Do you think, t- what's your vote, touch or no touch? I think that it will have touch. I would be surprised if it did not have touch in today's age, especially because they're marketing to kids, and kids just expect all screens to have touch at this point. But it does raise an interesting issue. Like if if you add touch to your device and you have applications that use touch and then you plug this thing into the dock and it's on this big screen, now all that touch functionality has gone away. Do you think that middle hub connector is touch capacitive, kind of like the PS4 controller? Maybe, but didn't they show that, you know, that's so optional? That is not a, you know, a... Well, that's a big question, I think, in general, is that I think Nintendo is stumbling, perhaps, like they did with the Wii and the Wii U, where there are so many different controller options, where, like, does every game need to support the single sideways Joy-Con? Because that, like, as Will mentioned, has so few buttons. So do I need to be able to play Skyrim with one sideways, or am I going to look at the back of the box, and it's like, sideways, regular, pro controller required, touch required, this required, and you're just like... I'm I'm willing to bet that the sideways thing is going to be for retro games mostly it's it's nintendo saying hey you're going to be able to play super mario brothers 2 on this thing with two players you know because that's the old controller was like that i don't think any modern many modern games are going to support that kind of craziness uh, just because i think it would be too problematic um although well, maybe, that how they were playing basketball in that trailer uh, that's a good point and mario kart it it's it a lot of questions <laughs> a lot of questions what about um um the idea of we talked about this last week too uh, will you just brought up the idea of you know gaming on the go what about the idea of some sort of um subscription service for cellular uh what about i mean there's no mention of are you going to be able to play multiplayer games i mean we saw splatoon right we saw these games that you would expect to have some sort of multiplayer thing if if it really is a seamless experience between home and away then you want to be able to just pick up and play multiplayer on the go i really don't need another cellular collection at this point right <laughs> like i'd be quite happy with with wi-fi you know, you don't want to be, you know, these games are probably going to be a few gig anyway. You don't want to be downloading a few gig through cellular. Um, I think at most, you know, you want to be able to pair it to a to a phone or something. I don't think it needs the cellular bit. I think what's, what's interesting on the connectivity side is thinking like when you, are we going to have different amounts of graphical power when you have it um, portable to when you dock it? Like, are we going to see a situation like you have with some like gaming laptops where you have... Um, you know, an additional GPU, like in the base of the in the base of that docking thing, so you can play at a higher res when you're on TV. I think at this point, Nintendo has, or maybe it was Nvidia, said no that all of the processing power for the console is in the tablet. There, there was like a vague out 
um, I forget what it was. Um, Will, you're a former recovering attorney as well, right? There's um, yeah, somewhere in there it was <laughs> like the, deniability the best... in there somewhere. Yeah, it was like it provides support or something. It, there was something in there that was like, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> This yeah, is- absolutely. I th- I think there I, uh, there is so much left open, and of course, there's nothing to stop. You know, even if it is one thing right now, a lot can change in six months. That's true. Um, it's so much more, I'm sure, to talk about, and I think a lot of people in in our uh, subreddit are probably going to be talking about this. Already are. Um, let's let's switch up. <laughs> this uh, discussion to more big news, but let's wrap up this discussion by saying what you think the price is going to be or what do you think the price should be and whether or not it's a buy for you. Will? Uh, I think the price is going to be, I think it's going to come in at 350 for the base. Mm -hmm. And then I think they're going to make you pay another hundred for the, for the docking station. Really? Oh yeah. Sell those separately. Yeah. And I think uh, that means that in our post-Brexit world, that's going to be about three thousand pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there'll be wheelbarrows full of uh, pounds being <laughs> delivered to Nintendo. Yeah, or it's possible that by the time it comes out, the only thing we'll be trading will be like potatoes. Yes. It'll be like three barrels of potatoes and <laughs> some, you know, and <laughs> half a cow. It'll be uh, yeah, it'll be three thousand pounds or one loaf of bread. <laughs> uh, Christian, what's your what's your guess? My guess is three fifty, and it comes with the docking station, the screen, and um, the tablet, and two Joy Cons. That is it. No Pro controller, no little attachment thingy between the Joy Cons. Um, it is a buy, assuming you know everything that has been shown is to be expected. It is a buy for me. It is a day one buy for me, mostly because of this show and because I'm a guy that owns two VR headsets because apparently my wife hasn't taught me how to manage my budget well. (laughs) Um, If I did not do this show, if this show ends before March and uh, at least 20 more minutes ends, you know, if I lose an outlet to regularly talk about video games, I don't think it would be a day one buy. I think it would be a Christmas birthday, like I'm saving up for this buy. Um, like wait for six games to come out that I like kind of buy. But as is with my role in this kind of silly business, I will try to do my best to make it a day one buy. So for some context, the Wii, the original Wii debuted at 249, which I think was a big key to its massive success. It was much, much less expensive than its competitors. Wii U uh, debuted at 349, so you know, 350 bucks. Um, some of the people in the chat room, uh, several people, um, W. Matthew, uh, Stephen Rivers, and uh, some others are saying that it has to be two ninety nine or it's dead. I don't know if I agree with that. I think three fifty is the most likely price. That's what I said last week too. Um, I I think they're crazy if they do the Will Harris plan of selling the base separate from the pad. I think that would be disastrous for them, but. It's certainly not putting it past them. What if they can get the pad out for two fifty? If you can buy the pad for two fifty and then it's three fifty with the pad and the and the yeah. station. Ooh, I mean that's that's more interesting, but now I mean I guess it doesn't matter from a developer's perspective if you've got the the, the um docking station or not. If the games work the same on the television or in your hand, then it kind of doesn't matter to them, right? I don't think they'll separate it though because of the branding of this thing. It's called the yeah. Switch. 
Yeah, because you can't switch if you don't pay more. It's called the switch with a catch. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Um, Yeah, it's. I'm definitely very excited about this thing. I think it's. I think it's really cool, and I'm hoping that they have a really strong launch lineup. If that Mario is like a pack-in game, can you imagine? Like it's old school Nintendo style. That would be pretty crazy. Can I ask you a personal question? Yes. Is this cancel your PS4 Pro pre-order save money for a Switch because they say it's coming out in March? Or is your obsession with tech and your role in the tech industry compelling you, Mr. 3VR headsets, to buy both? It's that last one that you said. It's that second one that you said about the compelling me. Also, and is it day uh, one? Also, <laughs> PS4 Pro comes out in like two weeks. <laughs> I know. So I was wondering, like, if you're going to cancel it now, so I, I feel no. like the PS4 Pro hasn't really done anything to sell you on it since they announced it. No, the, all they did to sell me on it was uh, VR will be slightly better. Also 4K. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, it's bad. My kid is never going to college because I won't be able to afford it. But he'll, it's no, no, cool no. because he'll have VR. You haven't played 529 VR? <laughs> yeah that's what i need i have to say it's a it's a day one purchase for me as well but just out of curiosity <laughs> i love it it's, the, it's, the, I, it's i just want to i just you know what i just want to have an opinion on it so that when i tune in to dlc that week i can either yell at you and say that you're wrong or i can just nod my head sagely well i hope that nintendo sends a, a thank you card for all the all the sales that we're engendering just people to have opinions so well i think sorry it's- I picture Will looking like Hannibal in the NBC version of the show. Hannibal, like, just out of curiosity. You're, like, smelling it. You're opening it. You have, like, a beautiful knife in a table setting as you prepare your <laughs> Nintendo Switch. And um, you're just pulling it apart so delicately and just <laughs> inhaling it. <laughs> I think that is basically the same. Mm, Christian, I think you are right about this. <laughs> I think that is the same uh, reason most people bought the Apple Watch. Just to have an opinion about it. You know? Yeah. Um, crazy. Okay. So uh, again, like I said, I don't even know if we're going to get through all the topics on this episode because there's so much to talk about. Uh, I do want to stop and thank our sponsor, Mac Weldon. Um, basically that's all I'm wearing right now is Mac Weldon. I'm sitting here, uh, because I don't know about you guys where you are in the world, but uh, it's the end of October and it's a hundred degrees in Los Angeles. So I, uh, I only wear my, my basics, my Mac Weldon, uh, boxers, and t-shirts right now it's just talk it's just boxers i'll be honest but that's because they're so comfortable and they don't smell they're antimicrobial that means they don't stink and these are premium fabrics this is a this is the way that you need to buy the things that you need to wear most often mac weldon has changed the way i dress and it's most people don't even notice it because it's uh, on uh, underneath my other layer of clothes but it's the most important layer too often, too long in my life, I ignored the most important layer. Mac Weldon has, has taught me otherwise. Comfortable, smells better, high quality, feels good, and it's easy to buy. It's easy to shop because you don't have to go to the store and you know go to Target and walk down the Hanes aisle and grab the stupid bag of 38. It's so bad. Buy it the civilized way, high quality, get good stuff by going to MacWeldon.com. And select, you get socks, t-shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants, underpants of all varieties. Plus, we're going to give you 20% off. All you got to do is use our promo code DLC. You go to MacWeldon.com. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Put in that promo code DLC. Get yourself 20% off. And then uh, look better, smell better, feel better. That's what I say. They didn't tell me to say that. I say that. 
All right, guys. Christian, what is your story of the week? Um, I know we're going to talk about the other big trailer, so we need to talk about that. But I, I, I will let you have that because I want to be sure to mention that the strike is on. We talked about it last week that it looked like it was going to happen. The SAG AFTRA is officially on strike. I wasn't sure. I thought about texting you to see if you were going to pick it. There is currently, it's probably ended by now, but they marched today in Los Angeles and voice actors uh, are on strike. And I don't think this will affect any game that we kind of know about or are expecting or has gone gold, but it could delay Red Dead. It could delay um, this Mario game <laughs> the, that's announced. Um, they don't have voices. <laughs> It's a me. Uh, it's a me. This, this one's going to be, yo, dude, it's Mario. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just some uh, guy who's not union. Um, and I, I think Mass it's interesting. Effect. In Mass Effect. Yep. Yeah. Worth worth bringing up. I think SAG, if you follow it online, has done a bad job maybe highlighting um, the reasons for it. I think some of the statements they put out come across as if money is the most important issue, which I think it is, perhaps. But I think you get more sympathy if you talk about trying to protect um, your artists' voices and do good by them. Because I think a lot of people, I've seen reactions from people in the community and in developers that are like, hey, this is a hard business. Like, we don't get bonuses. Why should you get bonus? And I agree. Like, it's bad for a lot of people. This business, the video game business, treats a lot of people unfairly. So does the film business where, you know, a company wins a, a digital effects Oscar and then gets shut down because they can't pay their employees because there aren't, livable wages for the amount of effects that go into films um so i'm not saying that this is the answer to everything and once voice actors and motion capture performance actors um receive fair wages and and royalties for their work the the industry is saved but i do think it's an important issue so i wanted to throw that in as my story of the week yeah it's uh, you know it's hard for us to talk about i think uh, objectively because christian and i are both members of the screen actors guild and have a horse in this race um I got calls this morning from from the union, you know, yep. in, in talking about that stuff. And we did talk about it a lot last week, so we don't have to spend tons of time on it. But I, I do want to touch upon one quick thing, and, and I want to get Will's take on this as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk online, I think, um, uninformed talk uh, about uh, how dare these guys, they, they're, you know, the voice actors have so little to do with the end product. How come developers have to work in such crazy they they have you know um their uh, uh what is it called um crunch crunch weeks or crunch months and they're working crazy hours and they don't get residuals and they're you know having to put in all this crazy time and effort why don't the developers who are much more responsible for the thing yes we agree the voice actors agree but they don't have a union for those dudes. <laughs> They're saying, yeah, we should all band together and not put up with these kind of crappy uh, deals. And it's not an either or type of a situation. You know, for all the kids that are on Reddit talking about how dare these voice actors get, you know, ask for more money and ask for better conditions when the, the developers themselves don't. The voice actors agree with you. That is not, that is not a mutually exclusive position. <laughs> that we we agree that those types of things should change and hopefully this kind of thing can be a catalyst for that change if if you know the developers look at that and go hey maybe we should uh refuse this kind of crazy insane work conditions and you know you hear reports of these companies 
really being brutal to their employees. And it's not stopping. It, is, it, it has changed a little bit over the last five to 10 years, but it, it's still happening. So I hope this can be a, a catalyst for that kind of change as well. Will, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you've hit the nail on the head, right? Just because, well, the, the whole point of collective bargaining is to bargain collectively, right? And if you as a group of people want to get together and start doing that, there's nothing to stop you doing it. The voice actors have obviously decided that's the way for them to get the best deal. If other groups of people that work in the games industry or any other industry think that's the best way for them to get the best deal, like they should, they should go ahead and do it. But to say that just because one group hasn't done it should stop the other group from doing it is 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 clearly not right. I also think there's a there's a degree to which you know if you're a voice actor, chances are you're you're freelance, and you know the work you know very often sort of comes and goes. It's very different from having a steady you know steady sort of job job that's going to provide you with healthcare and all those kind of things. So you know arguably it's it's something that's really much more urgently needed in that kind of community. Yeah. Well, I think unfortunately for a lot of devs um the jobs come and go too far too often with you know you get hired on for crunch and then let go and then you find your next project. Like I agree with the the general point, but I think this industry unfortunately is is very hard on a lot of people because you can't rely on that on that job or that paycheck you're in san diego one year and then you're up in seattle and then you're in new york and you know just doing what you can to, to make ends meet it's tough although to be fair uh pastor titus in the uh, in the chat room makes a very good point which is that he's okay with this as long as peter dinklage doesn't get any money for destiny <laughs> that's funny <laughs> um I guess you've forced my hand, Christian. I had a couple of other stories that I was going to use as my story of the week because I assumed you were going to pick the Red oh, Dead. I'll play the role of Jeff and t- pick multiple stories if you'd like. Well, we definitely need to talk about the Red Dead. What if we just didn't? Trailer. What if we just didn't? If it just was a story <laughs> this week? Um, Guys, let's just move on. There's no, there's no story here. Let's just go. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing else happened this week. Um, Let's talk about Red Dead Redemption 2. We knew that it was uh, being teased last week. We talked about the Twitter images that they were releasing. But they released a trailer. And that trailer is real purdy. And guess what? It's a Western game that takes place in the West. Uh, Fall 2017, it's coming out. What did you think of the trailer, Will? Uh, I hate to be like the person that is like, meh. But (laughs) I've never really liked this series of games. Really? And I know that everybody is massively into them and the great open world thing and they're just really compelling and Red Dead Redemption has one of the best endings of all time. Um, I just don't really like westerns and western stuff. I don't really like western movies. Um, so the whole thing just about... never really appealed to me. Should so like, I watched the trailer and I'm like... Should we, yeah, it looks you know, cool, but... <laughs> like, it's cool, but it's, it's not for me. All right, fair enough. Uh, I think that westerns are are you know coming back in a big way. Westworld, uh, Magnificent Seven remake, all that stuff is is putting westerns sort of back in the mainstream in a large large sense. And I think this is hitting right at, at that you know zenith. Um, it, I think the trailer is awesome, and everybody's like, well, there's no gameplay shown in the in the in the trailer. You know why there's no gameplay shown in the trailer? Because there's no mystery as to what the gameplay is going to be. It is going to play exactly like the last Red Dead Redemption, and that's fine. 
Uh, I think it's gorgeous. It's giving you a sense of how big and varied this world is going to be. And it's giving you tone. You know, there's the shots of like a campfire under the stars, the shots of riding in a canoe down the river, the shots of buffalo, you know, herd of buffalo going down next to a train. All that stuff is evidence of what Rockstar games do really, really well, which is create these living, breathing worlds that that are that feel so interesting, right? That engender you're you're getting lost in them, and that's exciting. Uh, I kind of wish they were more adventurous with the the gameplay systems themselves, and maybe there will be some surprises as we learn more about this game. But for the most part, I I suspect it's going to play pretty much exactly like the last game. Christian, what do you think? Yeah, well, I think uh, Tom Payne in the chat, you know, brings up the the point that the cowboy outlaw the West, like this is very much, you know, American stuff. Not that you can't get behind things from other cultures. Like I've certainly loved my share of Japanese influenced and stylized games, but I could understand if people, even in America and certainly other parts of the world aren't as tied to this as maybe you and I might be, Jeff. I think the trailer was an incredible trailer. And then, uh, spoiler alert, not this week, next week's at least 20 more minutes will be on the art of the trailer. Um, I think it was an incredible, incredible trailer. But I think this is the type of trailer that needed to be released without any uh, fanfare beforehand. I think Rockstar did themselves a disservice with two days of like, cha, 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 cha choo-choo and everyone's like huh is that the hype train coming and then they're like it is oh here's a minute sigh bye bye that was it that was the train there's someone like rockstar knows how to do trailers and i think because we got the logo or the red logo then the silhouette cowboys everybody was like oh man it's red dead time and then they're like here's a minute no gameplay bye everybody's like wait what nah dude like we've been smelling steak for a week now you can't you can't bring out a slider and pretend pretend we're happy. So I think if they had dropped this at midnight one night and everybody was like, "What the cr- Red Dead? We're going crazy!" I think people would be through the moon with it. But as is, I think it leaves um, a little to be desired. Well, we got a year, you know, before this. Thing. Well, we have more than that. Let's be honest. What do you mean? Oh, you think it's I'm get- I'm saying spring 2018. Look at GTA 5, GTA 4, GTA 3, Red Dead One, uh, Bully. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm much more excited about this than I would be for a GTA. I, I'm I'm in the I'm in Will's camp for the GTA games. It's like I appreciate them. I don't enjoy them. But uh, the first Red Dead Redemption I loved, uh, loved and still love. And and I I think this game has the potential to be really really special. Um, if you know the narrative does some interesting things, I'm I'm hoping that it does. And they kind of push further that. Um, immersive gameplay stuff. I think that the trailer is beautiful and we're, you know, we're just gonna have to wait and see more, I guess. Um, Do you think it's interesting that they've called it Red Dead Redemption 2 rather than Red Dead something or other? It bums me out. I was really hoping for Red Dead, you know, revenge or whatever, some other R thing. Magnum. (laughs) But... You know, because the first one was Red Dead Revolver, right? But they didn't make Red Dead Revolver, and I think that this is really separating that game from the games they've made. And like, okay, we we're continuing our franchise. Uh, and a lot of people pointed out that you know GTA just has a number at the end of it. I think it's a missed opportunity because it's a much more interesting, compelling idea to say Red Dead and then some other cool R thing, Revolution or Red Dead, you know, whatever it is. 
um, restructuring. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it. I think it looks really good, and I think pe- it's going to sell billions of copies. Um, we don't really have time to get into uh, other big news, but there's plenty more of it. In fact, um, including Last Guardian going gold, which is kind of a big deal. Nobody ever thought that might happen. Last Guardian has gone gold, and it was kind of done in a funny way. Uh, one of the uh, producers at Sony tweeted, Gone gold, what up? And then had to delete that tweet. <laughs> and it was like, oh, this is so classic, Last Guardian. We went gold, what up? No, we didn't. Highly professional. <laughs> yeah. And then somebody else, you know, um, <laughs> came back and said, ah, yeah, it's going to be fine. Uh, in fact, it was Yoshida, the president of Worldwide Studios. Um so that's funny. Uh, and also, um, talked about Star Control 2. Ben Silverman and I geeked out over Star Control 2 last week. And then Star Control Origins um, gets uh, announced officially. I mean, they, they had talked about it a while back. But uh, talking about second half of 2017 for Star Control Origins from Stardock, which has me extremely excited, which is what I thought I was going to have to pick as my story of the week because I thought the other two would get snatched up. But... Um, I'm very excited for Star Control Origins, and they showed a little trailer uh, that makes it look very much like Star Control 2, which is one of my favorite games ever. So you've now, <laughs> I got to get your list of top five favorite games ever. Because I didn't say top five; I said one of my favorite games. Ever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, Jeff's twenty top five games of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not not untrue. Exclusive. Um, all right, guys, uh, we got lots of games that we've actually been playing to talk about, so let's get to the playlist. Will, you have been playing Deus Ex. What do, what do you think? Yes, <laughs> I have been playing Deus Ex. I feel like I am a little bit behind on my gaming at the moment. Um, for everything that's not VR, because all I've been doing is playing VR, which we can talk about in a minute. Oh, we will. Um, so I've been playing Deus Ex Mankind Divided. You know, I was a massive fan of the original, original Deus Ex. Like, I would put that in one of my top five of all time, and not like a Jeff five, like an actual five. <laughs> Jeff five? Um, Come on! Um, the second one, obviously, was awful. Um, the last Xbox One um, Human Human Revolution mm-hmm. was like good, but didn't like like it was good, and it was certainly better than the second one. And it was, it was made me really excited to play Mankind Divided, and boy was I disappointed. Oh. Um, total lack of like location diversity. Like the way they re like spoiler alert they reset all your mods and orgs from the first game and it's like oh man can like so now you're just playing the exact same gameplay of like leveling up your character from nobody to having like some orgs and it's uh, it's yeah it's just really been a killer I I I didn't even get through it I just stopped playing after like a few days of just failing to care hmm. that's a bummer. Uh, I kind of did the same thing, though. Uh, I was really excited for Mankind Divided, and then it hit, and I was like, oh, this is good, but it didn't, it didn't keep me, um, didn't no. hold my interest. And, and maybe that has more to do with the fact that it came out at a time when there's, like, all of these crazy releases happening, bam, bam, bam. And- oh, there's so much good stuff. Yeah. Although, having said that there's so much good stuff, the one game I've been playing more than anything else over the last few weeks uh, is Uncharted. Uncharted like, 4? No, the original Uncharted. Really? 
So um, I got a I got a PlayStation for, to to get PlayStation VR, right? Mm-hmm. And unbelievably, I have never owned a PlayStation. Wow! Like I've always been an, uh, either a PC gamer or an Xbox person. Uh-huh. And PSVR is what finally tipped me into getting a PlayStation. And then I sat back and I was like, oh, crikey, like, there are a lot of, like, really classic games that I've never played because I've never had a PlayStation. Did you get the remastered version? Yeah, so I got the Uncharted 1, 2, and 3 remastered. So I've been playing through Uncharted because I figured, like, if there's one thing I've heard Christian, like, go on about forever, it's Uncharted. Mm -hmm. So I thought, right, I'm going to play it. And I've got like halfway through the first Uncharted and I'm loving it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It holds up. It holds up. It totally holds up. Yeah, it's one of my favorite games of all time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's been really good. And then on the topic of The Last Guardian, I've also started playing um, Ico on PlayStation now because, again, that's something I've never played. Oh man, you have like this treasure trove waiting for yeah. you. Yeah, and I was on Twitter saying like, "What should people what should I play?" And people were like, "We should go and play The Last of Us, yeah. and you should go and play Ratchet and Clank." And I'm like, "Oh, this is like a whole world I've never been in before." It's kind of amazing. That's awesome. I know it's bizarre, right? It's really, really cool. Uh, Christian, do you want to jump in on the Uncharted love? I think it's incredible. I think um, was it Blue Point did the uh, remaster? I believe it's Blue Point. Hopefully, I'm giving props. Yeah, to that's them. right. And they did a great job. Um, that someone in the chat, yes, there is a le- a level where you are on a vehicle. I don't know. I mean, I, it's a jet ski. You're on a jet ski. That level does not hold up. <laughs> uh, it's the most frustrating part of the game, in my opinion. But I think what really helps that game stand the test of time is the performances. And that performance capture and the voice acting is so incredible. And the story is just dumb and fun enough that you're and it's short enough that you you romp through it in six to seven hours and you're not you know questioning why you're still playing this popcorn flick at hour 25 and um yeah it's great and uncharted 2 is fantastic uncharted 3 falters a little bit but and you have a it's likely that with the remaster none of those voice actors got paid again just pointing that out jeff (laughs) i'm just telling you it's a great game dude uh yeah i don't know they probably didn't i'm not sure how that worked but they probably probably got a session fee and that's it yeah anyway good game though very good game um let's talk about battlefield one because christian you uh hyped it real real hard for me in fact i was not planning on even getting it neither was i and uh now i did because you were like god God, i'm crazy well to be clear getting it means you you got a free copy (laughs) yeah no i reached out to pr and and got a a copy but i wasn't planning to do that (laughs) (laughs) um it's it's quite something it's quite you're you're on pc right on pc is it i think eye bleeding beautiful i think it might be the best graphics i've ever seen in a video game oh man i think i mean at this point everything looks so great i mean uncharted 4 there's there's a lot of contenders for the crown right now i think battlefield 1 might be the most beautiful video game i've ever seen it is stunning it's real real it's it's insanely detailed uh and that frostbite engine my goodness it it is something something special above that they do something really really extraordinary with the uh the single player campaign which is really what i'm signing up for i know most of the people that play battlefield games are there for the multiplayer that's just not me i'm not into you know um first person shooter multiplayer games in fact i got a fun tweet uh, recently, if somebody said, you don't play first-person shooter multiplayer games, you are not qualified to be a video game reviewer. And I was like, oh, thanks, pal. Um, 
Sorry, but, dude. It was late at night. I was angry. Yeah, I know. I get those from you so often, though. <laughs> um, the uh, the single player campaign does something really interesting, and that is it it doesn't tell you one story from beginning to end. It's almost like a collection of short stories, and these short stories are all themed around uh, obviously the the first world war and they all take place in the you know early teen 1900 like 1918 around that area but they're they vary so wildly in tone in approach you know in one you'll have you'll be uh, introduced in, via a cutscene to an old man today telling a story to his granddaughter and then you have voiceover of him in Italy you know doing all these things in another you know, it's much more of a cartoon, uh, you know, you're a, you're a roguish British agent who steals an airplane. Um, you know, in another, you are playing, at, you're interacting with uh, Lawrence of Arabia, who in this game is sort of a superhero in a lot of ways. So it's all over the place, all over the map, literally and figuratively, because you are in, you know, wildly different theaters of war uh, across the globe as World War I was fought. So you get these very different environments, desert environments, jungle environments, war-torn cities, all of which, as I said, look just stunning. Uh, but you, you're also able to jump between those stories at any time. So you don't have to – it's not like you know some of the Medal of Honor games back in the day would do that with multiple characters. But you had to start at the beginning and move through them. In these, you can jump in and play any of those right from go. So – you know, you can play a couple of missions as one guy, and then if, if you get sick of being in tanks and doing tank stuff, you can jump over and, you know, be in an airplane or jump over and be an infantryman or start in this wild, like, iron suit that you're almost like Iron Man marching through the countryside slaughtering the enemy. It, it, it really provides such variety right out of the gate, which is so, I think, such a breath of fresh air for this kind of thing. Um and also, you know, gives you a f the freedom to kind of dip in and do what you want, all the while providing really compelling, interesting stories. Some of the stories I like better than others. I don't think that they're all the stories are equally interesting or compelling, but some of them really shine, and some of them are really emotionally uh, powerful. Uh, what, what is your take, Christian? Yeah, I have finished. I think whether five or six war stories. Five. It's not an extremely long game. I finished four of them. Um, and I don't want to say that anyone at DICE listens to this show, but this campaign, a long time ago, I pitched a, my version of what a Halo game could be, what I thought would just be fun for a Halo game. And it was very much this anthology, not necessarily connected, kind of connected story uh, pitch for like the Halo universe I thought would be cool. And the way that Battlefield 1 is doing it single player is is scratching that itch for me in such such an awesome way where, you know, I, when, as I was playing Gears of War 4, I tweeted out, you know, do I even need this story or would I like Gears better if it was just an arcade game? Like, here's a level, run down this hall, kill these dudes, points, 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 points. Like, is that enough? Because to me, the story in Gears has been meh. Um, and people were like, no, dude, you need the story to pull you through. Otherwise, it's just Horde. And which is fine, but that's not, a, you know, that's a different style of gameplay. Or it's Titanfall 1 or it's Overwatch. Right. Yeah. Right, right. And what I thought, so Battlefield 1, I think, splits that difference really well, where, you know, there's a narrative to pull you through one person's war story, their little arc, but you're bouncing around enough and they're different enough that you're 
you're kind of doing these fun and awesome things where, you know, like the one more story is you're the, you're the pilot and you're flying this plane and it's awesome. And those dog fights are incredible. And it kind of works that he's maybe telling you this, uh, exaggerated tale for why you're flying like a biplane could never fly like that. Um, <laughs> but it's such an incredible experience, but it, it, it's cool. Then at the next war story, you know, the next one you play or whatever you're, if you're the dude in armor, you're not like, Oh, come on. There's no way my guy who is also this expert pilot would now be doing this thing. It's like, no, it's totally different people, different stories, self-contained all around this. They've given it this umbrella, which a lot of war games have of, and I think this game, and I still won't say exactly what it is if you haven't played it, but this game opens with it, with this idea of war is hell. This is not a good thing. And then each war story does an example of that and plays to that larger theme. Right. And I, I know we joke about- still very much Rambo stories. Well, yeah, 100%. It's a video game. Right. It's hold RB to repair your tank. Right. Like, you can hide behind a rock and you can heal. This isn't- um, you know, realism, uh, not Daisy. What's Daisy? Arma. This isn't Arma. This right. is a this is an over the top bombastic summer movie video game that that Call of Duty and Battlefield, um, uh, and um, Medal of Honor and those types of games have always been. But for me, it is it is really scratching that itch, and I I don't know. There's a chance this makes it into the top five faves for me this year. I think the reason it might not is only because I I have eight games there already and like it's like who what which old friend do i remove you know like i've been friends with you for a whole year already um but this game for me again after another week of spending time with it um just for the single player alone maybe it's not worth buying but i i heartily recommend uh playing if you are a fan of shooters yeah it's it's um really good i my only knock against it, and this is totally personal, is that I just don't find World War One that interesting. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, there's a lot of compelling stuff. And I do wish that some of the stories were a little less over the top in there. I mean, I think that I think the, the game tries to walk this line of being really um, honoring that time and being really historically accurate and also being a video game and, you know, doing crazy over the top stuff and you know, turning these characters into superheroes. And I don't think it's successful in walking that line every time. I think it's oftentimes it feels a little silly uh, because you kind of can't do that. But imagine if these were Star Wars stories. I know, right? So I was just about to say, this reminds me of like the way you're talking about these characters is like, it sounds like like Rogue One, like the Star Wars anthology. Oh, it is. It's what you want, right? It's a bunch of like stories set in a universe that you're totally familiar with. There's no way they're not making that, right? There's no way that the the team that made Battlefront is not making that, right? I mean, it's this game. It's literally this game. The biplanes are X-Wings, the... The guy with the armor can we, is yeah. Can we just have a skin for yeah, this? Yeah. That Star the tank Wars. levels are at at you know ATSD. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah. Um, I have to say I can't wait for this. This is my I've got this lined up to play this weekend. This is the exciting thing that I'm going to be doing this weekend, and I cannot wait. It's really. And good. I've heard the multiplayer is good, but I Battlefield multiplayer is just not for me. So I'm sorry. I'm sure there are other podcasts out there that that give impressions, but you know being in my mid-30s i've just accepted that some things aren't for me and it is it is not for me and i played the beta so i know it hasn't changed enough to <laughs> i'm so with me. you on that there's only a limited number of times i can be like killed within five seconds of spawning every single spawn <laughs> time that that i can take in my mid-30s right. yeah <laughs> uh christian you've also been playing more gears of war 
But yeah, I just wanted to mention briefly, um, I guess it's, you know, why we are the perfect odd couple, Jeff. Chapters three and four were my favorite chapters of the game. For me, I felt like this game is such a Gears game that I wanted to be doing Gears stuff. And Gears to me is shredding down nasty, creepy, crawly things that give you nightmares. And so like robots was cool, but I wanted stuff crawling out of the ground. I wanted stuff dripping ooze. Like once I got chapter three, I think is my my favorite favorite. And when I got there, I was like, oh, yeah, I could do this for, you know, five more levels. Of course, there were only there are two, but counterpoint it's, to your those are uh, acts though they're not just they're not just level you know there's there correct, yes multi-chapter acts yeah. correct yeah sorry acts three and four uh yeah. you don't think those th- those could have just existed in any old gears game like if if i you know well that gets to down. an email we have and i i mentioned it last week before i don't know if you'll read the email but i, I did mention this last week it is it, they, they could exist in any old gears game and uncharted fours level could exist in any old i like it i i mean i'm not saying it's I'm I'm hoping that the new God of War blows my mind in ways I couldn't expect. But once I got to familiar Gears bad guys, yeah, it, it could have been any Gears, but it was the most beautiful Gears I've ever played, and it did it well. This email. Oh my God, Kristen, you just reminded me I need to go and play God of War. <laughs> oh my gosh, you have so many great games to experience. Uh, we gotta have you on just periodically, like updating your your PlayStation. The PlayStation check in, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the retro checklist, yeah. yeah. Um, the email you mentioned, Christian, is from uh, Udit. I hope that's pronounced somewhat close he's from india udit udit uh he says big fan of you guys and your podcast i just want to say that it's a bit hypocritical of you guys to criticize gears of war for not trying anything and sticking to its tried and tested formula when other sequels like rise of the tomb raider uh um uc4 i guess is uncharted 4 uh forza horizon 3 and fallout 4 also didn't try anything new in gameplay and were safe sequels just like gears 4 but you guys showered overwhelmingly uh, your love on those games, but criticize Gears 4 for sticking to its dried and tested gameplay. I think it's a bit unfair to Coalition because it's their first game as developer, and for them, the biggest challenge was to make proper Gears games first and then think about trying new things in the next installment of the series. Gears gameplay feels quite unique and different from other shooters, and changing it drastically just to please critics will be disastrous for the series because it will make hardcore fans angry who like Gears like it is. Uh, thanks. That's all I have to say. Keep up the good work, guys. So what do you say to that, Christian? No, I, I 100% agree. I, I I haven't gone back and listened to it. Like Will mentioned, when you're on a show, you don't listen to the show uh, as as much. Um, but I, I think last week I did mention that, that um, I, I think I asked that, or maybe it was two weeks ago, I asked that as a question to you and our guest, like, why is this the case? And you guys um, gave, I think Ben, I think Ben gave some good counterpoints to it, but I still agree. I just um, brought up Hillary's what, emails as an answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's what the game is, and... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. To me, though, Gears has never been my favorite franchise of all time. So, you know, it's it's not... Uncharted is my favorite franchise of all time. So, surprise, I loved the fourth version of that. But I totally get it. I totally get the email. What about you? I, I think that what we criticized was that it retains some of the things that made Gears uh, a little less fun, like the bullet sponginess of the enemies. Uh, and not making the weapons feel more substantial. Although there are a lot of really cool weapons in Gears 4 and some really cool new weapons, for sure. I had a lot of fun with some of the the cool new weapons. But uh, the other thing is, for me personally, my criticism was that the game, and again, Christian, you disagree, but from my perspective, the game starts with such interesting new ideas, that sort of sci-fi side of the Gears universe. And then it, it feels like it takes a detour down into a cavern of old Gears, and it never comes back out. I mean, Act 5 
Do you, have you finished the game? Not 100%. Okay. I, Battlefield showed Act up. Act so. 5, <laughs> you have to play it, because Act 5 is a joy. It's it's the, like, blue Half-Life 2 gravity gun moment for Gears. Oh, sure, the culm- culmination of everything. It's, yeah, it's like, um, oh, did you have annoying parts during the game? Well, let's give you something super OP and make all those... You, you can kill everything that annoyed you earlier very fast. It's, it's oh, awesome. Great. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, those middle acts just felt like I was pulled back into an old paradigm of gears and, and and you know i understand what uh, udit is saying but it just i think it it did felt worse in this game than it did in some of those other games just because i saw the potential to go into new interesting places and we were kind of headed there and then it felt like i was diverted away from it so i think it, that's interesting i think a lot of that though to you is not necessarily gameplay as much as it is conceptual stuff because yeah. in those first two levels you're still gearsing you're just gearsing things out of the sky and gearsing things with political undertones and then after that you're you're gearsing things of the usual from the ground you know gross grosses right yeah i don't i don't need to be in another dank dark cave with ooze falling from the sky i understand that's what you like for, for these games but for me it was like I've been there done that what I hadn't done is walking through this you know factory that is creating robots uh, as as I'm watching the robots like construct themselves and all that stuff was play, so cool uh, the last few Call of Duties then yeah we got one coming <laughs> so up so many levels of those got one coming up um a couple of other games I want to hit on um I don't get to talk enough about Heroes of the Storm I don't get to talk about it in proportion to how much I play it because I would never stop talking about it. Uh, and it's been a long time since I brought it up. And there's a big development this week, so indulge me. Uh, they introduced an entirely new mode to Heroes of the Storm uh, called Brawl, which has kind of become this Blizzard thing where Hearthstone has Brawl, Overwatch has Brawl, and now Heroes of the Storm has Brawl. And for them, the concept of Brawl is that we get to throw in this mode where all of these wacky rules take place for just a week and you play this crazy weird mode for a while that, that we can just like break our game in all kinds of interesting ways. And then it's gone a week later and there's a new one. And I think that it is such an interesting concept and I'm really glad that this game is getting it. It's not the mode that I'm going to be most interested in playing because I'm addicted to that ranked competitive stuff, but it's really a blast. The first brawl that they introduced for heroes, um, is one where in in one of the maps there are these things called punishers that you unleash and they attack the enemies. In this brawl, the punishers are always there and you're getting points for killing the punishers or for killing players. And so uh, you're just, there's no towers, there's no minions, there's no, none of the trappings of a MOBA. There's just fighting and fighting the punishers. And what they do that's really smart is you're not given your usual pool of heroes that you own. What happens when you when you click on Brawl is that you are thrown into a, um, a team with four other people, and then you are given a selection of three heroes. Maybe you own them, maybe you don't. But, and maybe you're good with those heroes, and maybe you aren't. And it, it sort of forces you to pick one of those three, and you don't get to choose what role they are it's it's just a a grouping that the the game decides on based on the makeup that it wants for those teams and i found that to be really fun and unexpected and interesting like it it kind of throws you for a a a loop and since this is not a you know a, a ranked kind of thing you can just have fun playing characters you might not normally play or 
um, you know, try some weird compositions. There can be multiple of the same character on one team, which there usually can't, you know, in those kinds of uh, other modes. It's a blast, and it's really, really interesting, and it just shows how willing Blizzard is to, you know, break their own games and just create things that are fun for, for no real good reason. Yeah, they're great at it with all of their games, and I think it's fun. I, I know you're locked into the um, competitive stuff, but I think what, for me, Brawl and Overwatch serves as is the the lure to pull me back to the game, where like you see people, t- it gets people talking about it again. So maybe I've you know put down Overwatch because I'm playing Forza or Battlefield One, and then it's like, hey, you know, we got this Junkenstein's Revenge Halloween content going on in Brawl, and I'm like, okay, and I'll play two of those. It's like a horde mode. I'm like, that's fun. And I'm like, well, I'm already in Overwatch. <laughs> and then you play more Overwatch. Uh, Mikey GH2 in the chat says, so they took Overwatch Brawl and brought it to HOTS? No, they took Hearthstone Brawl and brought it to Overwatch and then brought it to HOTS. <laughs> so it's kind of cool that Hearthstone, which started off as this side project that wasn't going to do much, is really like changed the fundamental inner workings of their company. Things are iterated quicker in, in every project. Things are, they try things in, in new ways, and it's all because of the success of Hearthstone, which is it's pretty cool. Uh, lots more Blizzard coming up in the next couple of weeks because um, BlizzCon is happening, and I'm, I'm super excited about that. But I do also want to talk about Civilization VI because I talked about it a little last week or the week before when I got to play the, the preview build. But now the, the full version is out, and um, it's a as you said, Christian, where do you stick all the Game of the Year candidates this year? Because Civilization VI... On your favorite games of all time list. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, Civ franchise is one of my favorites of all time. Um, and Civ Six, you know, a, a lot of the criticisms of it is that it, it doesn't change the formula enough to be a full-numbered sequel. I don't know if I agree with that. I, I think that there are some really, really fascinating changes to the formula. The biggest of which for me is making you plan out the the footprint of your city because instead of upgrades and and buildings sort of happening within the walls of of the city that you found that you actually have to place them on tiles so if you're building a farm or you're building a uh, any anything any upgrade a mine or whatever it you place it on a tile and it gets those upgrades based on the terrain types that are adjacent to it so you're constantly having to think about where you're placing things and constantly having to plan ahead to say, okay, well, I don't want to take up this tile because I don't want to put a farm on a river when later on having something on a river is going to be so much more valuable to me. Uh, and I find that to be so interesting and compelling. Um, I know a lot of people, also the, the other criticisms I've read for Civ Six is that the AI uh, at very high difficulty levels is... Um, is it kind of unfair or does things to, to smack you down that you don't think they should. I don't really play these games at super high difficulty level, so I haven't experienced that myself. I, you know, I'm I'm sort of right in the mid-range at difficulty, and I just like I like the feeling of creating my little diorama world and being powerful. And I know people play these games to be really challenged, and sometimes I can do that. I mean, I played Civ Revolution and got a you know a thousand gamer score on that because I you know cranked up the difficulty and had a blast, but. I think for the most part, what I what I love about these games is all of the decisions, the moment-to-moment decisions, and there are so many more here, you know, from the ability to go for a religious victory to uh, the new civics tab and all of the stuff that makes civilization so interesting, so fascinating, and, you know, I feel like I'm learning things as I play it. It's such a great, great franchise, and I think this is a stellar, stellar entry into it. 
have they talked about and i just don't know it's my own ignorance have they talked about vr support for any of these games because i feel like it, you said the mini diorama i feel like it's kind of perfect for this kind of God, game I wish. Right? that'd be awesome no i haven't heard anything to that to that um point but no uh that would be awesome i would love that um speaking of vr let's move on now to a vr talk but first i want to thank our second sponsor linode Linode is a hosting company offering high-performance Linux servers for all of your infrastructure needs. Linode has it all. Lightning quick servers in the cloud, a super-fast 40 GPS network, automated backups, node balancers, managed services, guides with step-by-step instructions, a simple but powerful control panel, 99.9% uptime, 24-7 support experts, and all the tools you need to get the job done right the first time. And now, Linode offers 2 gigabytes of RAM for only 10 bucks a month. Over 400,000 customers trust the Linode platform, including 5x5. All of 5x5's infrastructure is happily hosted on Linode. And getting started is easy. Just pick a plan, choose your favorite Linux distro, and pick from one of eight data centers in America, Europe, and Asia. Just visit linode.com slash 5x5 today to support the show and use promo code 5x5 for a $10 credit. Linode, simple, powerful, reliable. All right, all of us own PlayStation VR. Will, have you been uh, have you been loving it? Oh my goodness! <laughs> I mean, so let me give you my my, my my quick impressions. Right, so I've played with um, the Vive and I've played with Oculus, and I love them both. But I don't own a gaming PC, mm-hmm. like a like a like you know a, a hardcore PC that would really do it justice. So the idea of of splonking sort of eight hundred bucks on that, then another fifteen hundred bucks on a machine is like it, it, that's a little bit of a step too far. So I've been really excited for PSVR because I knew this was going to be the one that I was going to get. That it'd be easy to set up, easy to plug into my my home system, and I have not been disappointed. Um, there's only one thing better, I think, than playing VR and playing PlayStation VR, and that's getting somebody else that's never done VR to play it. <laughs> yeah, being a Sherpa. Like, oh my goodness! And the thing that I love, the fact that with the with the, with the sort of processor unit, it splits the signal so you can still see what's going on on the screen. It makes it on on the main screen. It's so much easier then to to talk people through what they need to be doing. I had a bunch of friends over at the weekend, and we were playing um, Job Simulator. And these guys have never played anything VR before. And you can say, okay, no, look, no, turn around, turn around, look at where you're going. You know, reach down. Can you see that thing? You can talk people through it, and like the howls of delight that you get from people who have never sort of been in this world before. I've had fun. Uh, it, it just makes it all worthwhile. I've had fun with, um, you know, like my, my in-laws putting them in and not telling them that I can see what they can see, right? And then, and they don't even know, and I could just kind of subtly tell them to look at certain things and they're blown away because they don't, they don't realize that I'm actually seeing what they see. <laughs> yeah. So I think for me, I've been enjoying... Um, um, playing through some of the more casual VR stuff with friends, so playing Job Simulator, playing Keep Talking and No One Explodes, which is a great party game. Unreal, man. Um, did you, have you, playing, did you out the, um, the manual for Keep Talking? Oh, yeah. There's nothing quite so fun. Like, you feel like 
Do you remember when you had like an Atari or an Amiga and you had to print out like the manual to cross-reference it for like the anti-piracy thing? Uh-huh. It made me feel like I was back in yeah. those days where you're like playing a really cutting-edge game, but you need like a massive stack of paper. To I don't do think it. enough people talk about that game. It, it is so fun, and I think it. You know, obviously you can play it not in VR, but in VR it just it's just so much better because that person is isolated and you're really trying to... Oh, and you really get the tactile feeling of the bomb and that feeling of isolation. And um, and then for myself, I've really been enjoying... I mean, obviously I play through Batman Arkham, which is like, that's the thing that just sells it. Like you put anybody in that and you are, you're away. Um Res, which in VR is just like it just feels like that's how Res should always have been. Uh-huh. Like even going back to the Dreamcast days, it feels like it feels like this is how Res was meant to be experienced. Well, it was always sort of like f- Lawnmower Man, the game, right? And and yeah. to, to have it actually play like Lawnmower Man uh, to make a very old reference, but for an old game though, so it works. I I have actually to issue a giant apology to the audience. Because last week, when we talked about PSVR and we talked about Res, I had not yet played Area X. And I criticized uh, Res a little bit for not being as in- in- impressive as Thumper. Uh, and so I have, I have two things to do. The first is to apologize. And the second is to get really angry. Because the apology is that Area X might be the best VR thing I've done on any platform. And, like, talk about wanting to put something in your top of the year. One level in res is one of the most transcendent, joyous, beautiful experiences I've ever had in video games. But that leads to me being very angry because... There is no way that that level should be buried as an unlockable to a 10, 15-year-old game. In fact, it should be the opposite. The old res should be unlockable when you finish new res content. You should have Area X and like four other levels like Area X as the game that you buy. And then the bonus is, hey, you get to play the old res in VR. Isn't that cool? To do it the other way around is insane and stupid because it forces you to play through this old content which is cool in vr and is lots of fun but to compare it to area x it's like comparing you know uh a a go-kart to driving a ferrari it's it's not even in the same universe it's it is uh it makes me so mad that they did it that way i think between last week and this week you got woke i got woke and I want to stay woke, and I want more people to be woke. There's no way, if you buy a PSVR and you buy Res, you should not be forced to play through old Res to get to Area X. Area. X- what about uh, what about old Res? It's a short game, 20, 30 minutes. Serves as your tutorial for Area X. Do you think? No, Area it's gonna, X it is- plays completely different. I know, but do you think that's overwhelming for someone to have as their first experience in the world? No, quite the opposite. I I think that. First of all, if you haven't, let's talk about this for a second. If anybody out there hasn't heard about Area X, Area X is the new level built into Res for PSVR, and it it's like somebody made Res today, 
because somebody did make res today and they learned from the things that are cool about VR and they made a completely different control scheme. Like it is, it, it's not even the same game. It's, it's a completely new way to, you can, you propel yourself through the world instead of being on rails. You go where you want. It, it's, it's a completely different game. And to bury that beneath, uh, it, it's not a, it's not a trainer. It's not, it, I guess it's a reward, but the idea that they wouldn't showcase the best thing about their platform front and center is insane. Well, they to be fair, they did showcase it. The demos of it were all area X, not, what, right? not for me. Like, when I played it at um, when I played it at the event that I went to, the play, PlayStation VR event, we played the beginning level of Res. I didn't know really? that Area X was what it was until like you guys last week. You guys were like, "Oh, Area X," and I knew that it was a new level, but I assumed it was just more thing because that's what they led me to believe. I didn't realize it was completely different and the best thing ever. Right now, I feel like, uh, one, Jeff's baby is awake, and two, Will has quietly moved away from the microphone and put on his PSVR if he hadn't unlocked uh, Area X yet, and we've just lost <laughs> Will to, to VR. <laughs> I haven't unlocked Area X yet. I'm going to be doing nothing else for the rest of Will, the evening. Just, just wait. It's, it's the only thing I can... Guys, guys, this has been lovely and everything, but apparently I've got something more important to do. <laughs> the only thing I can equate it to is... What if you were inside the greatest fireworks display of all time? Like, what if the whatever the best fireworks display at Disneyland or whatever that you've seen? What if you could fly around inside it? That's what Area X is like. It, it is amazing. Wow. No, I'm okay. Well, maybe me. Okay, do I need to do Battlefield One first or that first? Well, you can do that. It's it's much shorter. Battlefield One will take you yeah, longer. Okay. So, do, okay. yeah, do res first, especially if it's like night where you are when we're done with this. Just put on the headset, lose the night to res, and then tomorrow when you come home from work or whatever, strap in for some uh, for some Battlefield. Okay. This is going to be an expensive uh, hour and a half on the phone with you guys, isn't it? You're not disagreeing with me, right, Christian? It is that good. No. It, I mean, it's – I mean, there, there's another game that I don't know if it's talked – you can talk about yet. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to say, it. but like there are crying experiences in VR and area X was the first one I heard about where people took off the headset and were literally crying. And it, I, I it doesn't make me cry, but I get it. I, I get it. The only, the only thing that is a payoff for playing through original X first is, is the like woman thing, which I'm not going to spoil, but, uh, it, it, well, Res is fantastic. It's good. I mean, uh, people it's, it's, people tweeted at me last week saying I hadn't played it before. I played it for the first time in VR. It's not great. Thumper's better. And I'm like, okay, well, each to their own. I, I think Res in VR holds its own as a fantastic experience. Area X, I guess to me, yeah, maybe because I saw it, it felt like the delicious re- – like I had a five-course meal and then I had uh, the piece of the best cake I've ever had. I enjoyed the entire meal. But, yeah, of course the cake was the best part, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not even, it's not even like, yeah, it's like, the, it's, yes, it's like a completely so, different game. And the fact that they, they, what they better do is make more levels like that and sell them as DLC because I need more of that. I don't want, I need so, more of that. Go to patreon.com slash area X and for $200, Jeff will fly out to your house. He will beat the first five levels of res for you so you can experience area X. You will then pay him back the $200 and give him 200 extra dollars. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I, you know, I just think it is the most bass backwards way to do it. And I don't. Do you know what it's a lot better than? What? Sports bar VR. You don't like that, huh? 
I thought I thought it was no. pretty cool. Did you play did you no. play air hockey? Yeah. Did you not like air hockey? My little brother and I were both super excited for this. We love dumb stuff and we love dumb stuff in VR and we bought it the night it came out and we put on our headsets and the whole thing was a pain. It took too long to get into it, like to how to add people. I found the text, the menu text to be super low res. I know it reviewed well on Vive and I guess people are having fun on it. Like developer tweeted at me like, hey, what don't you like about it? And I was like, I felt bad. And I was like, oh, here you go. And I tweeted them like a whole bunch of specifics and they were like, oh, those are fair. <laughs> and I was like, so I just didn't scratch that itch for me. I found the physics not to be fun for just like mess around air hockey. I don't know if it was our connection. Like it just, uh, I don't know. There's better. I would rather be in Area X. I'd rather be playing. There's a million other things I'd rather be doing, even in I have VR. To say, the thing that I really want about Sports Bar VR, which I thought was like a massively missed opportunity, I want the ability to have some of sort of like pass through to like television, so that I can actually like watch something while I'm in the sports bar. <laughs> like I want to be in Sports Bar VR and playing the pool or playing the ski ball or whatever. But I want in the tel the in the background a television to be showing something that I actually want to watch, like the latest NBA game or the latest NFL right. or something. You mean like, not a television of people killer. playing actual pool? Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but the ability to get like like the whole point of a sports bar is that you can kind of like you know mess around and have beer and watch whatever whatever is on the TV. Like I want that. Yeah. I think that'd be fun. What about? Did you like it better than I did, Jeff? Because I, I, I mean, I know it reviewed very well on Vive, and for me, it's a hard pass on PlayStation VR. If people are thinking about it, I would just say don't. Well, but I'd love for you to disagree. I, I will be completely honest and say I could never get it working on Vive. Um, I don't know why. I think it might be something weird with my system. I couldn't figure it out. But I kept emailing back and forth with the developers, and they couldn't figure it out either. It would literally just not work. Um, so I was excited to finally try it on PSVR. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I thought air hockey was really cool. I thought pool and uh, darts uh, were less cool. But the v- social thing is really neat. And I think the why it got high marks on Vive was that it was one of the very first games to come out on Vive that had presence of another player there. And that I think that's the future of VR is when you're be able to act uh, interact with someone physically who's in a place that is not the same place as you. You know that. I think, yeah, if Sony looks at this and makes home VR with, like, uh, Half-Life 2 physics or Gary's Mod physics, I think that's an instant You mean, hit. like, I Oculus like this... is doing? The exact thing that Oculus showed at their thing? They didn't quite show that. It's kind of what they showed. They showed hanging out with Zuck's dog. No, they, they showed being in a spa- social space with one another, having an avatar, being able to interact in all kinds of really interesting ways. That's that's what they showed. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I thought I thought the uh, air hockey was was really cool because I forgot I wasn't actually playing air hockey. I mean, it's that one to one, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, it wasn't. Maybe it's because we were playing night of on like it, it like uh, you know our, we'd play plenty of other games together and it's fine. But it was it was not it was not that at all for us. The, the the pool and the darts was weird because you would like plant your hand and then you know push a button to like plant your hand and I thought that was kind of odd but I guess it has to work that way yeah uh, I also played Rush of Blood for the first time which I you know I think I'm gonna be less interested in horror as a, in VR than other genres just because uh, I don't want to do that to myself <laughs> a lot um, but man Rush of Blood is really really pretty good very very bad first impression when you first boot it up you're like ooh this kind of looks bad. But boy, it gets cool. And if you've ever been to Disneyland or Disney, I assume Disney World is the same. They have the um, the Buzz Lightyear ride, 
where you have like a, a little um, laser tag gun kind of thing. And you're physically moving because you're on a cart that is moving through the world. And you're, but you have this little laser tag gun and you're shooting targets and you're trying to get a high score. It's that in virtual reality. So you're, you're literally at a uh, theme park and you're sitting in a cart that goes on a track and there's little targets, like little star targets all over the place on either side of you, just like you would find at any kind of, um, uh, there's a place in Pahrump on the way to, <laughs> on the way to, to Vegas that is like this too, as a, like a Western themed one where you're just, you're shooting targets, right? But at a certain point, very early in the game, uh, demons and psychotic clowns and awful evil things decide to invade that uh, that amusement park. So not only are you still trying to, <laughs> for some reason you've decided to still try to get high score here while demons are attacking you. So you have this gun that you can upgrade throughout, but you're trying to, you know, shoot targets on either side of you. But sometimes uh, things will come to life and rush at you and try to kill you. So that's where the, that's where the, the pants pooping happens. Um, but it's all very well done in the sense of feeling like you're actually in this arc, uh, amusement park and the, where the position of all the targets is. And I'm playing with the um, move controllers. So they're like my little pistols. And, uh, you know, it's uh, shooting games in VR is really good. So uh, I actually would recommend this if you don't mind getting your pants pooped uh, because I did several times. <laughs> uh, do you, you have the move controllers, right, Christian? Yep, 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 yep. I'm excited for, they announced it on the PlayStation blog, a uh, guy that worked on Black, I forget what it's called, Training Simulator, yeah. FBI Simulator. I think that looks like a cool, because yeah, shooting stuff, I mean, it's dumb, you know, the, you know, whatever, shooting stuff, it's like kind of gimmicky, but it works really well, like in the, um, the heist, or no, what is it called, the getaway? Yeah, uh, London the one that's heist. in the London heist, yeah, like that's, it's cool, and it's fun to do, and maybe a year from now I'll be over it, and I'll be like, oh, that's all every game is, but right now it's cool to do, and that um, upcoming shooting gallery game looks cool also. Yeah, I have to say the um, having the move controllers makes all the difference. There's something about like having your hands in front of you that just really like increases the sense of presence. Um, and even though you know the London Heist, for example, is yeah, it's a little bit cheesy. Um, there are some moments in that where you get to physically do some things with your hands where you're just like, oh, that's unbelievably yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think just manipulating. So I mean, it's it's done. I think a lot better in Batman than than anything else um because just like you know using a sensor to to you know x-ray something is so cool in vr yeah um, but uh, any any other things you want to mention about psvr well before we move on i think just that it's really exciting to think that like this is the worst it's going to be <laughs> yeah yeah. Right. This is fantastic. I'm having such a great time, and it is literally only getting better. Um, and I, th- I think I'm just, you know, the next twelve months, you know, um, there was I, Christian. I was listening to your to your twenty minutes more uh, show, where you made the uh, I think absolutely insane proclamation <laughs> that you'd be better off buying a wii u than a psvr for right now yep I at which point it. i sort of spluttered my coffee all over the floor and sort of <laughs> swore an awful lot of epithets in your direction um, but uh, no i think it's just really exciting to think like this is gen one um you know think of iphone gen one like the original iphone that didn't even have 3g uh this is that. 
and so, look at where we are now. Well, I need to defend my at least more twenty more at least twenty more minutes. It's uh, it's indefensible, Christian. No. You cannot defend. <laughs> I can defend it. Buying a Wii U instead of a PSVR. It's literally <laughs> idiotic. I set you up just like Trump at a debate. Will uh, at the beginning of the show, I asked you why you would buy a Nintendo Switch, and you said you would buy it just out of curiosity on day one. So you, sir, are the type of person that I talked about on that episode where you already own a VR, you're already interested, you already want to do it, you need to be there, you need to be on the bleeding edge. Yeah, it makes sense for you, but for everyone else, it doesn't make sense because this is this is the worst it's ever going to be. And how often, how often, good sir, do you recommend people go out and spend $400 on the worst version of something? started by saying it's amazing now and it's only going to get better. And I, this this notion that people have of like, well, there this weird min-maxing that people do, I don't get. I mean, I understand having a finite amount of funds to spend on uh, things. But to say, well, there are X number of games on Wii U, and that is greater than Y number of games on PSVR. No, there's X number of fun. There's, there's definable fun that will withstand the test of time. There's Guys, nothing. Go to patreon.com. You're making me spoil my. I gotta. I gotta be. I gotta have clickbaity oh, no. uh, podcast. We're doing guys. Your... I'm trying to start. Sorry, Christian. Christian, where can I? Where can I listen to that episode of yeah. uh, your new show? <laughs> no, don't worry about it. It's uh, patreoncom I, I will take. I will take 15 minutes of Area X over. Uh, 15 years of Wii U. Over, over, you know, eight hours of Donkey Kong Country. Even though Donkey Kong Country, very good. Area X, I have never experienced anything like that in my life. I I get that, but you are a... I don't I don't know the words right now, Jeff. You're a, a lover of things, of arts, of experiences, of of newness. You've been in this business for so long. No, no, you're calling uh, me I'm jaded. not saying you're jaded, but you want that. No, Christian, I think what you're trying to say is that Area 51 is in Jeff's top five games of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and we can leave it at that. Perfect. I agree. Now we're finally something we can all get behind. All right, let's move on, guys. Uh, I do want to get to a little bit of tabletop time. Right now, right now. All right, uh, we got a cool email uh, that actually kind of goes into what Will's been playing for Tabletop Time. This is an email sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, this is from Ty. He said, uh, I had a board gaming question I thought you might be able to ha- uh, help with. Our office is trying to play a quick party game at the end of meetings, if we can find the time. It's only happened once so far, and the Family Feud board game was chosen for the inaugural event. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> uh, crucial piece of info, the group is around 10 people. Uh, please, please help me find a few options that are quick to learn and don't take much time or pieces for a group setting at work. You are my only hope to save us from Steve Harvey. Uh, it's funny... Another guy uh, sent in an email, very similar question, Michael Ditto. Uh, he had a Ditto question. So I want to bring that up. I'm sure he's never heard that joke before. Uh, but, um, Will, you've been playing a party game, right? I have um, a party game by by friend of the show, uh, Justin Indeed. Robert Young, um, called The Contender, the game of presidential debate. And it's basically a riff on, um, if you haven't played it, it's, it's sort of a riff on Cards Against Humanity. Yeah, the idea is that it's a it's a it's a party game with cards, and you everybody gets dealt a certain number of cards, and each card is a line from a speech, 
from one of the presidential debates from you know the last umpteen years of doing it. And much like in Cards Against Humanity, where you're trying to put together something outrageous and be the most outrageous person, um, you actually get to all have cards, and there's a topic card, and you get to try and put together the best like debate response to whatever the topic card is. And you can sort of go around and have a back and forth and sort of banter with people. It's a really fun, super fun party game. It takes no time to set up, and everybody gets the point of it, because everybody understands um the debate so i would say it's um that's a, it's an easy buy particularly this yeah i agree year. i think this is a if you're going to play in the next couple of weeks before the election this is a great one to bring out for your uh, for your group and it does play uh, up to 10 people and more easily um but there you know there's a there's a wide variety of these uh, apples to apples cards against humanity cards against humanity probably not for a work event but uh, apples to apples is like the tame version of Cards Against Humanity. You can try uh, in the in the chat. Tom Payne pointed out the game that I always go to in this type of situation. Wits and Wagers, I think, is the best party game of all time, uh, and that is a game where it's a guessing game, but it's a guessing game where not knowing the answer doesn't matter. Um, this is it's a guessing game where every answer is. A number, so for example, a question will be something like, how many steps are in the Empire State Building, right? Very few people know the answer to that, but it's all about guessing and then wagering on which of the people that have put down their answer is going to be closest. So you have like a felt thing in front of you that looks like a casino uh, pad and people are putting down their answers and you get to put your your bargaining chips down on which answer you think is closest, even if it's not your own. So uh, it, it's a really, really fun game. You can play it in teams. You can play it individually. You can play it, uh, you know, the infinite number of people can play. And it's one I always recommend for party games. But there are a lot of others. There's a game called um, ROTFL, and uh, we talked about that a, a while back, uh, which is a, a guessing game sort of based on um, acronyms. Um you're building acronyms, you're guessing acronyms, you're making acronyms. Uh, really, really fun party game as well. Uh, I think you have lots of options. There are lots of options that are not Family Feud that I think people could have a blast playing. So I, I encourage you. Another one uh, that I really like is, um, is Going, Going, Gone. Going, Going, Gone's a great game. Uh, frenetic, crazy, where you're, uh, it's like an auction and you're throwing cubes into, into cups. Uh, to try to to bid on on things that you're trying to create sets of, and it's wild because you're auctioning in real time, and one person just goes three, two, one, stop, and they can say that as as fast or as slow as they want, and you're just trying to throw these these cubes into cups before they cover over the cups with their their auctioner's paddle. Uh, it's a blast. It's called Going Going Gone. So if you're looking for something a little more active and a little zanier, I don't think it plays up to ten, but it it can play uh, quite a few people. Um, well, thank you, Jeff. I've just gone and bought Wits and Wages Wits on and Amazon. Wages. It is available on Amazon Prime right now. I've got a party on Friday night. This is I'm I'm holding you to account. If it sucks, then you're the reason my party sucks. Well, well, we're gonna have to check in on you. We're gonna have to check in on Battlefield <laughs> One, Area X, and uh, Wits and Wages. Now we've we've loaded you up in every right. place. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up the show. Uh, we do have our parting gift coming up, plus bonus content from Christian. And Devendra Hardwar, uh, two of my co-hosts from different shows, uh, have teamed up and uh, and didn't invite me. So that's okay. We did invite I mean, you. Be fair. What did it, you say? I said, uh, "Knock yourselves out." 
it, let's be honest. Let's be <laughs> honest. It was a it was a after the fact kind of uh, obligated uh, invitation. No, like, I invited you, know, you to do it with to, me first. Come. I invited you very first. I said, "Hey, do you want to do a spoiler said, chat on Batman?" And you, you said, said no. Ah, you, and no, I, what you said was, "Have you finished the last Batman game?" And I said, "No, I finished." And then I said, "Would you want to do a chat about it anyway?" And you said, "No." And then I tweeted out, and Devinder responded, <laughs> "Get out of here." Go find your Sim- sympathy invite. Yeah, That's go the go worst. Yeah, like, board if you yeah. want, you can come. But Devinder and I are doing a thing. <laughs> anyway, well, hey, that's at least that's better than the invite I get from you of all the cool review and preview events you go to. I don't even get the I'd pity say, invite. So I'm not in the position to invite you. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. I mean, you I would have loved to have seen Doctor Who. You do? Yes. Let's go to BlizzCon. Yeah. Perfect. Done. I knew this would be. Thanks. Thanks for being here, Will. We we did it. The show's over. DLC's canceled. <laughs> My goal has been achieved. <laughs> Guys, I'm just glad I could help. Uh, we do have our parting gift. Uh, stick around for that. Uh, Will Harris, one of my favorite people. Uh, thank you for hanging out with us. This has been so much fun. Uh, am I one of your top five people yes, of all time? Top five of all time. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna keep hitting that. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, I would love everyone listening to follow me on Twitter, follow me on Instagram. It's at Will Harris with one L. Yes, yes. Uh, and um, Christian, what do you got going on this week? Well, if you're going to be in or around San Diego November 15th, that is when I am recording my next stand-up album. So I'd love to see you there. It starts at 9 p.m., but get there a little early to get seats. This is a, a free show, so come out. I'd love to capture your laugh or your arms-folded disappointment um, you know, to release for the world to hear. That is November 15th at San Diego at Lestat's West, which is 3343 Adams Avenue. I am streaming i took all last week off because i literally lost my voice for pretty much all of last week but it's twitch.tv slash christian spicer you can find things archived um on my youtube which is christian spicer 713 then i did start this the little patreon uh it's mostly right now a podcast at least 20 more minutes always something in geek uh i get to do bonus episodes hot takes when things drop because i can put them up whenever i want so far i do i tell you to buy a wii u instead of a VR headset. I do hot takes on um, the Nintendo Switch. This week is going to be about horror games. Next week is going to be kind of the art of the trailer for video games and movies. So cool stuff going on there. It is patreon.com slash Christian Spicer. Um, Christian then, does a, a, sh- uh, a show called 20 More Minutes and then a show called DLC, which is an advertisement for that other show. <laughs> Well, hey, if this show is capped at its 90 minutes, I, know, uh, right? I wouldn't yeah. be doing it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and then November, uh, we're shooting more uh, marriages. So excited for that. Uh, so those will be dropping soon as But if people well. haven't seen marriages yet, where, where can they see it? Oh, YouTube. YouTube.com slash Christian Spicer 713. There's a playlist for it, and you can check out the original one. Awesome. Yeah, I hope you guys have seen those because uh, I, I think they're really funny and fun. Um, I'm in them. Christian wrote them blast really really good stuff i'm sorry i don't make this podcast an advertisement for voting jeff i think people should vote i'm just saying (laughs) and you know there's a lot of stuff on the ballot here in california my goodness i spent last night pouring over my voter registration stuff or whatever they call it the preparedness guide lots of stuff dude lots of stuff yeah lots of props mad props um, I have other shows for you to check out. You can listen to me talk about movies at the Slash Filmcast. Uh, this week we're doing, what are we doing? Oh, we're doing Jack Reacher. Uh, but we're doing Doctor Strange very soon. 
So check that out. Uh, SlashFilm.com. Wait, Dr. St- don't, don't you know the guy in that? Yeah, I hung out with him. I hung out with Benedict and actually two Benedicts. There's two Benedicts in that movie. Benedict Wong. Hey, it was really well done. I mean that sincerely. Where where can people find that if they want to watch? Oh, it? I did that for comicbook.com. So go over to comicbook. Actually, if you just go to jeffkanata.com, it's all there. Pretty much everything I do is on jeffkanata.com at some point. So, but I mean sincerely, it was like I imagine it was a typical junket interview, and your interview did not feel like a junket interview really at all. I've watched and been to enough. I of really those. appreciate that. I I got a lot of people saying that, and I was shocked. It's the first junket interviews I've ever done, so I guess I just didn't know how to do them right. <laughs> because everybody's <laughs> like, "This isn't like any other junket interview," and I was like, "Oh, it's just the only way I know how to do interviews." Uh, <laughs> sincerely and honestly. more junk than junk it am Dude, i right those things are crazy mm-hmm. because the the people doing them don't want to be there the people you know a- answering the questions don't want to be there the people asking the questions don't want to be there everybody is it, it's like every no one can actually answer anything that you would want to ask it, it's it's a farce the whole thing is a weird dance that it, it doesn't really provide anything good in my opinion but i don't know it's a job for everyone, a job for the actors to do the put out the world, a job for most of the people asking the questions to do the thing for their job. And it becomes this this line dance of like, what's the thing? Like I said, it's the first time I've ever been to one and it's an assembly line. It is uh, a grueling for everybody involved. It's, it's just I don't understand what positive things come out of it. But I guess people talking about the movie um, and Dr. Strange is very good. Um also, I have the We Have Concerns. Check that out at wehaveconcerns.com, a comedy science show I do with Anthony Carboni. I think you'll like it. All right, guys. Let's wrap up the show uh, with uh, some parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Will, do you have something that you can recommend to get people through their week? I do. I picked up a really cool book, which just came out last week. It's called um, Video Games You Will Never Play. <laughs> um, it's on Amazon right now. It's by a collective of writers called Unseen64. And Love it's that. a fantastic kind of compendium of screenshots and game design documents and references of just games that you've you will never get to play because they were cancelled or canned halfway wow. through or you know and the uh the whole thing is organized by the different consoles so there's games that were designed for like the 3do oh, that you will never see <laughs> um there's a whole section on um the sort of 1980s hasbro vr wow. mock-up um, you know, in games like that, there are games like um, Desert Island 64, Die Hard 64, games that used various, like, uh, in, you know, Nintendo or Sega add-on hardware mods that never existed. It's just a really, really great compendium of, of video game trivia, and it's, it's absolutely fascinating. So if you're looking for something to get you through the week, this will occupy many an evening of video game What a degree. great concept. Again, it's called Video Games You Will Never Play. Video Games You Will Never Play. Yeah, Unseen 64 is fantastic in general with some of the videos they do. And also a sidebar to that, recently, um, oh gosh, they discovered. Oh, I'm, try, I'm blanking on his name. The creator, uh, the Rayman ROM, like the original Rayman for Super. Oh, Nintendo. Michel, uh, Michel, someone or other. Yes, they, he's. It's been found. Whether or not it ever comes out, but Rayman Super Nintendo it exists again after like disappearing for almost thirty Crazy. years. 
Yeah. What about you, Christian? You got a parting gift? Oh, this is a sad one, but I think it's important. Um, it's hard to watch, but there is a ne- documentary on Netflix called Audrey and Daisy, and it is about it's a story about two young girls and cyberbullying. And um, you might have read about them. Both stories were fairly newsworthy and famous in their own regard. But Netflix has been putting out some pretty incredibly, you know, produced documentaries, and this is one of them. And I think as someone of a, a dad of two girls, or you are as a new dad as well. You know, the, the world of, of online bullying and the way that it happens now. High school is a different world than it was when I was there. And um, I hasn't, it's good. It's well made. It's not fun. This isn't like a date night and then you and your loved one have like an intimate evening afterwards. But I, I think it's important. And it's called Audrey and Daisy. It's on Netflix. Speaking of Netflix, uh, I know you probably are not hearing about this for the first time from me, but allow me to add to the pile of recommendations for Black Mirror. If you're not watching Black Mirror, Oh, man, start immediately. Uh, Previous seasons are incredible. They're on Netflix as well. But the new third season just came out. It's an anthology series, so you can watch them in any order. It doesn't matter. They're all independent episodes, kind of like The Twilight Zone used to be, a self-contained story in about an hour, probably. They're different run times. um, And they all have to do with technology and really some of the most interesting sci-fi concepts ever written. I I think these are so fascinating. And it, it's not like deep, uh, deep future. It's more like just like day after tomorrow type stuff. It's stuff that you really can see happening. Um, ideas that, that we were at the beginning of kind of coming full fruition and the dark side of that, the, 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 you know, the, the potential dangers of, of some of these technologies uh, and the worlds that are created are so fascinating and so believable and so interesting. Of course, friend of the show, Dan Trachtenberg uh, directed one episode, and it actually is the one thematically most interesting to the people listening to this show because it's about video games. It's called Playtest. It's about a VR, AR type thing that goes a little crazy. Um, Will famously taught Dan to drink tea in London. Became a man. Um, And uh, it's amazing to see Dan uh, doing more awesome work. Uh, The episode is awesome and kind of scary and fun. Uh, but if you guys aren't watching Black Mirror, you really owe it to yourself to, to check it out. It's phenomenal. It's so good. And they're they're British seasons, so it's like six episodes. Don't think you're diving into like a 22-episode commitment here. It's easy. You can get through all three seasons plus the holiday special in a rainy But also, yeah, I mean, you easy, can easy. watch them at your own pace because there's no, there's no cliffhanger. There's no, no ongoing story. No. Dive in. Rate them all when you're done. Watch, consume, <laughs> be, exist. Yeah. Um, All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Uh, Thank you to everybody that hung out with us in the chat room and made the show better. I really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks to Will Harris and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all of you who have downloaded the show. Uh, Thanks to our musical contributors, including Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star. Uh, Stick around. We have bonus content coming up. Batman spoilers for VR Batman and for uh, non-VR Batman. It's all the Batmans. All the Batman. I'm just going to spoil all the Batmans. Um, and uh, we'll be back next week with more DLC. It's a really fun time of year. So we'll see you then. Until that time, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.
Uh, hey everybody, welcome to bonus content on DLC. Uh, Christian here joining me. You've probably heard his voice. If not, you should, because you should listen to the Slash Filmcast and, um, whatever. I, I say he needs no introduction, but I'm going to introduce him. Introduce him. Joining me for this Batman Arkham series spoilerathon, which will spoil parts, if not all, of every game from Asylum, Origin, City, Night, and VR, Devendra Hardwar. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me, Christian. Doing well. Uh, thanks for joining, man. I know East Coast time, West Coast time. I'm glad we were able to find a time that kind of worked for both of us. <laughs> yeah, this usually like late at night once I'm done with everything else. Uh, it's great. Yeah. 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 Um, so generally speaking, for people that might not know, Batman fan? Yeah, definitely. Um, but specifically, I think for me, I grew up with the animated series and that vision of Batman, you know, and Kevin Conroy's voice and Mark Hamill's Joker. So the movies, you know, I've liked, uh, I really like Nolan's films. And I also, you know, like the uh, the Tim Burton stuff back in the day. Batman Returns is still a fantastic film. But the one, the Batman that's in my soul is the animated series one. So I love it when the games kind of harken back to that stuff. Was that an issue for you coming into these Arkham games then where it's kind of the voice cast and the writing mm-hmm. talent with Paul Dini on? Yeah. Um, but then such a different look. Was that like, hey, this is the animated series Batman. Why does it look <laughs> all brooding and Unreal Engine 3 or whatever? Don't... No, I don't. I don't. I, that didn't bother me too much just because I'm used to uh, like I'm a big anime fan. I'm used to things like changing styles once in a while, <laughs> like for different series. So this is totally fine. Like if this is what it took for me to get, you know, the animated series back, which is still, you know, one of the best pieces of television ever made. The best. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I gladly live with a different style. Yeah. <laughs> and then we were talking before I started recording, but uh, also an Arkham series fan of a uh, game fan. You have played and completed most of, but not 100%ed all of yeah. the games. And then you um, are on the VR train and you've played and completed Batman Arkham VR, which led to this conversation, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's a fun little uh, VR thing. I'm sure Jeff has gushed about it quite a bit. Yeah, it's it's really it's really well done from a VR experience. But I think what interests me is mm-hmm. kind of Rocksteady's take on Batman, because I think mm-hmm. that this character is one of like his his journey of his parents dying and then, you know, everything else that happens to him. Yeah. Um, what Which you experience in first person in the uh, <laughs> in the VR ones. Like, I don't know how many times I've seen batman's parents die um i also saw it in 40x this year with batman versus superman so many times so many times i don't know if i had to live through that again but yeah, yeah. what's the next holodeck um how else can you experience the death of uh i don't know the Wayne? they'll actually like visualize your parents and kill them in front of you that's the next step <laughs> someone comes and actually kills your parent yeah. <laughs> and it's like you're cosplaying as uh bruce wayne you're batman <laughs> Oh, that's dark. Um, So I don't want to do all the walking through of the plot. So would you mind taking through for people that might not know and and people that are mega fans of these series? We're going to miss some stuff. But um, we'll start with Arkham Asylum, which I know is not the first in the timeline is Arkham Origins. But broad strokes uh, paint the picture for listeners of, of kind of the major events of Arkham Asylum. Arkham Asylum. What do I what do I remember? Right. Because I also played this game in 2009 and I've been uh, brushing up on some plot stuff. But uh, I do believe this was the one where, you know, uh, Batman is uh, what uh, Joker has pretty much taken over Arkham. Mm -hmm. And 
yeah, this is actually going to be hilarious because me remembering plot is not the best thing in the world. But it's the best uh, way to do it because if you read these <laughs> plots condensed, they're even crazier. Like I love the games and I love the story, which I want to have this conversation. But like if you sit down and read like a wiki entry, it's like mm-hmm. and then Scarecrow did this to Catwoman, who did this to Poison Ivy, who did this to Clayface, who was actually Joker, who was actually a Penguin. Who's actually who's Joker. Right. And you're just uh, like, Ugh. let me see here. I will I will just read through some of the cliff notes from Wikipedia here because I think that's the best way to to stay uh uh, I don't know, accurate, because otherwise I'm just going to make some stuff up. But it does start with the Joker, like, assaulting City Hall. And then uh, he's caught by Batman, taken to Arkham Asylum. And let's see here. And Batman accompanies him into the asylum. It, it's basically like you are all in Arkham Asylum with some of the craziest people. But I, I, I can't do beat by beat. Sorry. No, it's fine. I mean, to me, yeah. the broad kind of the broad stroke. You are trapped in Arkham Asylum with the crazy folks. Like that's that's the main thing I remember. Right. And Joker has his uh, Hulk toxin or whatever it's called. That, yes. Uh, you fight uh, Mega Joker or whatever the anime. I remember Hulk Joker. Joker. Yes, that's yeah. a thing. Yeah. Um, and also there's a poison ivy fight in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you fight you fight kind of everyone. I would say the Arkham Asylum story is very traditional Batman, maybe in sure. the vein of something that um, would be like the Hush storyline in the comics where like it's a fine story, but for real it's kind of an eye roll because you've crammed all of these supervillains <laughs> into one narrative. It's very, it's very convenient how they all relate to each other. Uh, one of the – I do remember there's a Killer Croc sequence uh, in Asylum that has you just kind of running away from him. Mm-hmm. But the way he was realized and his character model is just terrifying – uh, I think that was like, first of all, this is, I think, the first very successful Batman video game. Um, but the way they realized the villains and the fact that we had, you know, HD graphics at that point and you could have these insanely detailed character models, they looked amazing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, as far as stories go, it does feel like very typical Batman where Joker's already caught, you know, right. like you start with that and then things go crazy. Right. In which they went back and kind of retcon. So Origins quickly is kind of you, you're led to believe it's going to be this Deathstroke Black Mask story with all the trailers and the media they reveal. They, Origins they the prequel. The yeah. prequel, right. That was made not by Rocksteady. Uh, it's canon, but apparently, you know, <laughs> it's not included in the remaster that just came out. They're kind of oh. like, yeah, this doesn't exist. Um, Maybe we don't. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. They changed up the voices, right? They didn't have uh, Hamill right. and right. Conroy back for that. Um, I, I think they might have mm-hmm. had Hamill, but not Conroy. Had, it was Troy Baker. Troy Baker doing Oh, that's Joker. right. Because it was the, the idea was that they were younger, so that they would sound different sure <laughs> that's what happens and it launched kind of broken but i think they patched it i actually really enjoyed it i played it on pc after it it kind of made sense but it also became a joker story where joker mm-hmm. had captured and impersonated black mask and he turned out to be having this big bounty against batman and then mm-hmm. it ends with kind of the inception of arkham asylum as we know it being created and there's a little easter egg that uh, waller is going to recruit deathstroke to join suicide squad mm-hmm. kind of thing and so that leads us into asylum which then you save the day in asylum of course but then we get into arkham city <laughs> which is like it's 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 a bigger asylum <laughs> i mean it's yeah it's arkham but it's a it's a whole city it's of a it. whole city of it because that's a great idea it's like we couldn't contain this prison so we'll just give them an island yeah 
all right, where they're harder to control, you know, and even less restrained. That makes total sense. Yeah, it's like here's your here's your free government housing. It's an island. Have go run it. Like, I, I love know. how you know from the just the inception of that idea is fishy, and then when it ends up being like a major you know plot point, like oh, this is actually was it uh, Ra's al Ghul? Yeah, who masterminded this whole thing um, under the guise yeah, of, of Hugo sure. Strange? Right. How did you not see this? Right, you know, Arkham Police, as always. <laughs> yeah, Hugo Strange like wanted he thought it went out of control, and he was going to kill all of them. Let's get, like Project Ten or something like that. And then we mm-hmm. find out that it was actually orchestrated by Roz, and of course, it wasn't just to destroy Arkham City; it was to destroy. Gotham, or you know the whole whatever Roz's obsession is with burning, <laughs> burning down. Well, it's Gotham. better than the plot of uh, Batman Begins. Have you seen that movie recently? Not recently, but I feel like the I like plot, it. Do you remember the plot of that movie? Uh, Roz wants to burn down Gotham because it became Rome yes, and it's too but, grand. But it's through releasing Scarecrow's serum by putting it in the water supply, and then we're going to microwave the water supply so everybody like inhales it. That's okay, uh, like vaporize it or something. It's like vaporizing. Uh, I love, you know, I like that movie just because I love no one's style, but that is so, uh, yeah, that's so convoluted. And so like comic booky, it's funny how much they stepped away from that stuff in dark Knight. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I haven't gone back to it. I, I need to, cause that is, that sounds like the most comic booky potentially <laughs> story of the Nolan films, but also it's the most grounded version of mm-hmm. them in many respects as well. Well, it's also the one, uh, who's that writer, the writer of Blade in those movies? Oh, yeah. Um, Goyer? David Goyer? Goyer, yeah. David Goyer co-wrote that one. And I think uh, after that, I think he kicked out Goyer and just like wrote it with Jonathan Nolan, like Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. And then Goyer was like, Man of Steel, here I come. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so City, big beats of City. Um, uh, Joker has this... Um, the Titan formula is mutating him in Joker's blood. That's that's Hulk Hulk Joker from Asylum. Yes. And so Joker captures Batman, performs a blood transfusion on him, and then gives Batman the same disease. This is like a soap opera. Right. It's kind of amazing. And yeah. Joker reveals that Gotham has been poisoned with his infected blood. And uh-huh. so Batman needs to find <laughs> Mr. Freeze, who's been developing a cure. Of course. But he's been kidnapped by Penguin. <laughs> that one even seems more convoluted i mean i love uh, what i love about city is that yeah it's a much bigger environment and just flying around everywhere is really fantastic uh because asylum always felt very restrained right and yeah that was it has it's claustrophobic and which i think is cool but city i remember when city came out i was just like oh this is awesome i'm batman right i'm batman for 20 hours yeah (laughs) until i put on the cowl and really became batman uh, Uh in vr so i think the big moments for me about this version of batman that stand out is now we have bruce's parents are dead and then in city talia agul also dies Uh uh-huh and everybody dies everybody dies uh hugo strange dies roz dies and uh freeze uh die freeze i don't remember if mr freeze dies no, he's just like restrained or something. But at this point, like everybody who could potentially matter to Batman dies at some point in these games. Right. And Joker dies. And, or we and, think they die. Yes. And, and Batman puts Joker's body on a police car and leaves. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but what's fascinating about this is that uh, the series, I guess, kept him dead. Although you, you brought up Origins already, but Origins occurred after City was released. That was the third game right. in this came, whole thing. 
Correct. So that was a way for them to bring Joker back, but not quite bring Joker back, right? Right, because they, they felt like it couldn't exist without Joker because everybody loves right. Joker. But yeah, so right. He, that's that's right. He, they kept him dead. City comes out, and City's big marketing is um, Red Hood or no Gotham Knight. Gotham Knight. Gotham Knight, who we don't know who is. Yeah. Um, it's Red Hood. Take, and it's, take a guess yeah. <laughs> of the like handful of characters who are always these. Uh, you know, nefarious sort of evil Batman. Right, exactly. Well, it's an all-new character yeah. made exclusively for the game. I mean, it's uh-huh. it's Red Hood, but it's an all-new. <laughs> <laughs> and then you learn it's Scarecrow, and Scarecrow has this fear toxin. But what mm-hmm. I think is brilliant in the way they did it is they brought back Joker. They played Joker on that blood. idea of Joker yeah. blood. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you did not finish. You have not 100%ed. You have not finished. I've not finished. But uh, for this conversation, I did just go through the whole plot just to see what happened. And uh, let's I, re- I really want to finish it now. Did you get to any of the, the Joker insanity effects? I did. I saw some of that stuff. And that I think was pretty cool because that was a great way to actually stay true to the ending of uh, Arkham City and still have the character around. And I think that's, I mean, essentially that is the Joker, right? That is the construct of the Joker is this nemesis who can never be killed. Uh, no matter how many times Batman captures him and puts him in prison, he will always be the thorn in his side. So it's actually kind of a brilliant representation of what Joker means to Batman. Yeah. I, I, I love it. I, I love the mm-hmm. idea of literally, you know, there's always the idea that there it's a character foil, right? You can't have one without the other. And then, mm-hmm. as silly as it might be, when they literally fused them into the same person, <laughs> it was like, this is, this yeah, is awesome. Like, that's actually, that's, if, if uh, Shyamalan ever had a chance to make, like, an Unbreakable 2 or 3, I feel like that's the sort of thing we would have seen at some point, you know? Like, just fusing that idea of the good and evil into a single character. Yeah. I would yeah, love to like have early career Shyamalan Bruce Willis's character ends up becoming Mr. Glass in a way. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Oh, I like please. That. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I've heard good things about his new movie. I don't think he'll ever get a chance to make those, but right. that would be fun. Well, who, do, who owns the IP? Can you buy that? I, I feel like that <laughs> IP can't be worth much right now, right? I don't think his IP is worth very much right now. So he's he's clawing his way back to relevancy right now. Yeah, the elevate was the elevator movie. Hell, uh, elevator? Uh, uh, devil. Devil? But it was the that wasn't I don't I think he produced that, but oh. it was uh, the visit, the one about the grandparents who were kind of kind of evil. Um, that one's actually visit. pretty good. That is it's a lot of fun. Um, it's actually genuinely scary. It's him like going back to like budget mode. But anyway, okay. I think like that idea in terms of like, oh, Unbreakable kind of boils down that whole thing. The Batman and Joker relationship in an interesting way. And I love how this uh, game kind of moves that forward. Yeah, and in this game, it's also it, uh, you know, it borrows from comic book canon, and Barbara Gordon is mm-hmm. Oracle. So, and through DLC and plot in the game, you learn that yes, Joker did shoot and paralyze Barbara. In the game, you think through an insanity effect that uh, she ends up killing herself. So, there's a moment here where Bruce's parents are dead, Talia's dead. Everyone he could care about except for Alfred is talk dead. about fridging, by the way, just like fridge everybody. OK, right. Yeah. And, and that's what I think is so for this to be largely a it's not an um, Elseworld version of this. It's not canon. It's not, you know, DC is not adopted. I know they did prequel comics, which are a mess, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like for a mainstream version of Batman in the way that I think the animated series is for a lot of people, mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people, this is a narrative of Batman 
that they have consumed and that a way that they know the character. I feel like for a big generation, it's these games and the Nolan movies, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so to have this universe be so dark (laughs) and where in the span of, I know these games, you know, came out over whatever it was, a span of uh, six, seven years, but like in six years to kill off Mm -hmm. all these major characters and leave them dead. Yeah. I think that's the key, right? Killing off a character is kind of old hat in even in video games at this point. But in some way, in games and comics, the characters come back. You know, nobody's ever really dead. And uh, I'm surprised uh, oh, they only did that once with Barbara Gordon. But it was after they actually did it to so many characters that uh, that was the surprise. Like, oh, oh, you actually fooled me this time. All right. Right. It was like in game insanity effect. And it, uh-huh. it, it worked within the universe they created. Then the way uh, city, the way night ends mm-hmm. is Batman is so strong. And I'm, of course, boiling this down, simplifying all of this. But he's so <laughs> strong, he goes inside of himself, inside of his mind. Sure. And he crushes. You beat up Joker. You crush Inception Joker. Inception moment. Yes, yeah. yes. Out, out of your, out of your body. You, you win despite Robin <laughs> trying to lock you up and Nightwing telling you to, you know, you, you can't beat this. You beat this. And you expel Joker from your body. You save uh-huh. Commissioner Gordon. You then go home to your happy home. ending. Happy ending. Right. right. Then you, you go home to your manor, you blow it up because Bruce Wayne is dead and you want everyone to think the Batman is dead. And then well, also, get- uh, they revealed the identity of Bruce Wayne, like to the yes, entire world. That's right? right. That's a big deal. Yes. So that's why you. that's right. the whole thing that happened. Yeah. Yes. Joker, you as Joker <laughs> reveal the secret identity. So then you blow up the Wayne Manor and then you come back as like demon bat. Like Bruce is dead. You're full time Batman. Maybe using uh, Scarecrow fear toxin to just okay. go 120%. But I'm sure when reports of another massively muscled bat, you know, beating up bad guys appears, I, I think people will put two and two together. But what I if, just, what if Bruce never appears? Oh, what if he's sitting in a cafe in France somewhere? <laughs> no, no. Who one, knows? Everybody knows that if you're in a different country, no one recognizes. <laughs> like, imagine if Donald Trump or Mark Cuban. Imagine if you saw Mark Cuban in France. You wouldn't know uh-huh. who he was. That's true. That's true. He'd be <laughs> invisible to me. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, there's a guy. Who cares? Why is he wearing Skechers? <laughs> I don't know that person. <laughs> um, and so then VR comes out. Mm-hmm. And there's some fan Rocksteady has said it is canon, but there's some dispute among fans as to when this game takes place. Where where are you as to the timeline of where Arkham VR takes place? I think it makes the most sense if it's before night. Just okay. Why uh, is that? I mean, because uh, I guess I think where it leaves you, right? You see the Jason Todd thing and you are chasing uh, what's his face? Uh, who Who you think is actually... The who you figure out is actually the murderer. Nightwing, is it? Well, Nightwing is one, murdered. Nightwing's murdered. And then right. the other one. Robin. The other one. Robin. You're actually chasing him. And I don't know. Like, for me, conceptually, that makes the most sense because also Batman wouldn't be, uh, I don't know, he wouldn't be functioning, functioning so normally, right, after the events of night. That I think that is a, a good tip. I mean, because this ends... Mm-hmm. With you as Batman, as Joker possesses uh-huh. you, right? Or like you're still battling that thing, and you, Batman kills Nightwing, and then sets up an event that gets Robin killed too, mm-hmm. and then you end in asylum. You're like locked in the asylum, going crazy because you're also Joker, and it ends with uh-huh. like it seems like Joker had won, right? It's like the darkest of all endings. <laughs> 
<laughs> I could I could see that reading too. And actually that that is super dark. Yeah, I just don't so like if that's yeah. the like that was, have you you've played through this, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like, so that, that was my take on it. Was that like this is the uh-huh. the fear, the blood serum, you're still possessed by Joker. Well, I guess that is that is essentially what they want you to think too because uh you know, it did come out after night and uh, they haven't it's strange to me that they haven't said. Yeah, like they Rocksteady have, I haven't hasn't seen said. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where this lands i but seeing how um i know uh dc also like how they treated origins and just kind of coming out and being a prequel <laughs> to you like i don't know i any, anything is up right now well right so i think the, the the argument for it being between city and night is that wayne manor still exists and you yes, blow up wayne manor it. at the end of night unless you start out like before night and then somehow like oh. during your journey you end after night like in one of but those then, blackout while you're driving the batmobile that's actually yeah, all of it get a get a fugue <laughs> get a breaking bad fugue or something uh, oh. uh but yeah it's v, arkham vr was an interesting experience i don't know if you actually want to talk about like the game mechanics or I'd anything love to, yeah. but it's fascinating to me like asylum was such a big hit because of the combat mechanics right oh, i so think good. this was the first game to get Batman combat mechanics right, and also like a 3D, like just getting really great, uh, good-looking choreographed battles in 3D, where mm-hmm. you're just not like Kratos, just like swinging your arms wildly and hitting things. Like things look like they were co- co- choreographed by a you know mar- martial arts master or something, and that sort of thing was cool. And we saw that taken over by Shadows of Mortar too, like that style. Mm-hmm. Arkham VR though, it's interesting because yeah, it puts you in Batman, like puts you under the cowl. You're doing the detective work i was surprised there wasn't more combat like there you're not actually beating up anybody you're just doing a lot of the leg work and uh, I, w- I would have liked to at least ride the batmobile too so how would uh, but, you have handled combat would you have done punch mm-hmm. out or would you have done like uh what's that uh, insomniac oculus game feral rights like zoomed out 3d you're just kind of you know the camera far away camera or what what's your pitch for combat in vr in this thing i don't know like i don't know how you do it um i have been playing uh like there's a the hcc vive has a game like a sword and sorcery game where you're holding you know a shield and a sword mm-hmm. and you can swing around and from what i've seen with the psvr like the motion tracking is good enough to do something like that you know like there's a sequence where you're looking in a mirror right and mm-hmm. it's your image as batman and you can like make him do little arm dances or something oh, yeah. and i just made him dab over and over yeah, and over again that yeah. tracking is surprisingly good so i think you could have something like that but maybe the depth perception isn't very good uh, because this is old technology that they're using. Um, it's maybe third person magics would have been and, and uh, magic, magic glue, super glue, uh-huh. and rubber bands that makes PlayStation VR work. I it's think. insane that it works at all, uh, <laughs> but it does work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the gameplay—it's just the detective stuff, and it's a simple, a simple enough story. You think you're trying to investigate why who killed Nightwing, but apparently yeah. there's like no remorse. Like I, I, that hit me initially. It is like, weird. It's like hmm. Nightwing's dead. Okay. <laughs> Guess I better be Batman. Yeah. But I'm not going to like, you know, yeah, cry or say anything about this. No words for Nightwing. No, none at all. My only... I, that was surprising, yeah. My only rationalization for that is because you're demented. Like, it's it's because you're not yourself even when you're yourself was my... Mm-hmm. How they how they justify that. If they, I wish they had played more into that, though. Like, you were maybe... Very at very low volumes, hearing like Joker whisper in your ear or something as you were Batman just walking around before it got to like the crazy, very obvious psychological effects. I think that would have, 
I don't know. I would have believed that a little more. Yeah, because that they just do it as one big drop while you're mm-hmm. in the Arkham cell, and it's, it's a cool reveal to be like, "Oh, it was you. You did every wow," and then it ends, and you're like, "That was cool," but like, what? <laughs> what does that mean? I also, yeah, I also was wondering if that was canon as I was playing it because I don't know what that means. It's very confusing, and I think to people who haven't followed this like crazy mythology Bruh. of the Arkham series. Uh, just as somebody like putting on a PlayStation VR and like going through this thing, it is it's madness. Like with no context, it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, I'm curious how people that maybe played a little of Asylum probably didn't uh-huh. beat it, uh, and you know that's maybe it kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. if what that that story or experience, it's like, well, it's cool on Batman, but what the hell is going on? <laughs> it's um, hard to be Batman. <laughs> uh, apparently, yeah. and I didn't notice this on my initial playthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I watched the videos. Apparently, there's like a uh, alarm clock ringing going in the background. So mm-hmm. there's the whole Alice in Wonderland. It's a dream. And like some of Alfred's dialogue implies right. that you know. I I remember that. Like, sir, we need to. Like, he's maybe trying to wake you. Like uh-huh. this is all a bad dream. So I, I think if it's all the, dream, <laughs> the easiest of plot devices, right, yes. of course, if it's the or was it a dream, then this game uh-huh. could definitely take place post night. And yes, it's, him, sure. it's Batman's biggest fear that the serum still in him. He's going to kill the ones he loved. The but, next Batman game will just wake up uh, Bruce, May- Bruce Wayne waking up in cold sweats. That's it. What? Huh? And then he dons a uh, silver era. Uh, uniform is like he's just so afraid of his future all the games sure. had been a dream <laughs> <laughs> um uh so it's a dream is one mm-hmm. the other thing that puts it as a dream between city and night is that in night batman is very insistent that uh dick and um jason mm-hmm. get out of gotham so fans have argued that the reason he's he wants them out so badly is because he had had this vr dream uh. And, you know, so he wants he, he's afraid of what he's going to do because he's no he's Joker poison. The most interesting thing that I found Googling preparing for this discussion was I think it was added in DLC to Arkham Knight. But you can ding a ding a ding on your mm-hmm. on your piano. And then there's a wall of clues about the Arkham VR plot up in Wayne Manor in Arkham Knight. OK, I think that's awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Which I think does that imply that it happens before or after, though? I don't know. <laughs> Give us some direction, guys. Yeah, because I think if if the version I want to believe, and I don't think I think this is the least likely, but the version I want to believe is that this happens after. And my reasoning for that would be when you ding a ding a ding on your piano in this game, it's a different tune than when you ding a ding a ding on your piano in night. Which I'm saying I'm saying you've rebuilt some version of Wayne Manor somewhere else. It's a secret Wayne Manor. This happens after Arkham City. I'm after Arkham Knight. You ding a ding a ding on your thing, and I like picturing that. Joker is still in you. You think that you muscled him out, but he kind of wanted you to think that, right? This is the ultimate long con. You think mm-hmm. you've beat him, then Joker consumes you when you're least expecting it. You kill Nightwing, you kill Robin, you end up in Arkham Asylum. So now over the journey of these Arkham games, your parents die, uh Talia dies, Batgirl's shot, you kill Dick, you kill Jason, Joker kills Todd. Or Jason Todd, sorry, uh, uh-huh. Tim. You killed Tim, and you are stuck in Arkham Asylum, completely defeated. That's my pitch. <laughs> that sounds like madness. I feel like if that was, I don't know. I feel like they would have made more of a uh, s- statement, or at least like the dramatic end. 
to the Arkham series or something. Like I, I feel like they would have made a bigger deal about it because right now Arkham VR feels like, oh, just this thing that they had, you know, a couple months or weeks to make uh, amidst making the next game. Yeah, we have Kevin and Mark in a closet for two hours. Uh, right. Let's make a game. <laughs> he's wearing the VR headset again. <laughs> wearing it to the bathroom. He's wearing it everywhere now. So having not, did you yeah. find the story impactful though? Is this a recommend mm-hmm. for you, Arkham VR? I mean, it is definitely a recommendation if you like Batman. I think it's the best representation of like yeah, of putting yourself under the cowl, like pretending to be Batman. Because uh, there's a point where, you know, they put the the gear like around your belt, too. So you have to like reach to the middle of your belt to get your batarangs. You have to reach left to get the science scanner. You have to reach right to get the grappling hook. And you can start to do that without even looking yeah. and at that point. That's pretty cool. Like, oh, you, you, it's actually there somehow, you know, and uh, that's like the magic of virtual reality. So I like that stuff. I wish the action were a bit better, um, but yeah, you know, it's fun for what it is. I, I'm a big Batman fan, so I enjoyed that aspect. So as a Batman fan, mm-hmm. as an as a VR fan, the game gets a recommend from you. What about as a just a uh, <laughs> fan of Batman, the animated series? Does the story hold water? Are you a fan of Rocksteady's take on Batman? Or is it I just- am. I, it's just, it's interesting. I mean, other than the origin stuff, which never really clicked with me, um, everything else I think has been interesting. The more modern, it's, it is definitely the modern gritty take on Batman in a way, but not in like a, I don't know, I really way. It doesn't feel as egregious as like what, uh, they're trying to do with like Batman v Superman and everything and that whole universe, which I don't buy at all as much as I like, uh, I actually really like Ben Affleck as Batman, but I don't like anything they're doing with that whole universe. So yeah, we, we have this and it's great. Uh, I also want to mention just quickly, uh, Batman beyond return of the Joker. Yes, that was the movie. Um, that was another situation where a Batman character, a good guy, or somebody you thought was a good guy was also actually the Joker. And that's a whole thing. That was uh, Tim Drake, I think. Yes, which is excellent. Batman Beyond, if you don't know, is Batman in yeah. the future. Uh, Bruce has hung it up. And yeah. what's the kid's Akira name? style. I love that show. That show was so good. But it's also, so good. same writer, too. Bruce uh, Paul Dini yep. uh, also contributed to that. And he didn't work on uh, Arkham Knight, right? They had their in-house writers doing it. Uh, I don't think, let me see, was he on Knight? I think he might have been on Knight. He was, I think he had his hands kind of involved in all of them, but I don't know. Other oh, than, no, he, would I not, know he, he was not involved. Okay. He definitely didn't do Origins. Yeah, no, no. he did. I think he did uh, Asylum and City. That sounds right. He would yeah. not be involved in writing a sequel to Arkham City. Yeah, so he didn't okay. do... Yeah, uh, I think. Um, oh, I so if, if people are looking for their fill of Batman and they never dipped into the world of Batman Beyond, because I talked to a lot of comic fans and they just kind of wrote that whole thing off. Yeah, that thing was great. Like that was a great the animation wasn't as good as the animated series, but it was yeah had the same writers, had like a lot of the same brain trust. And where they go with that story is pretty cool, too, like a Kira style Batman. Yeah, yeah, I 100 percent agree with that. I think that this Arkham series Rocksteady version might be one of my favorite modern takes or, or post animated series and post Batman Beyond takes on the character. Cause I think you nailed it where it's this gritty modern Batman, but also so steeped in the golden age or silver age version where the characters are, are kind of loony. 
He fights 20 um, of them at a time. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It like, knows it's ridiculous. Too. He has all the gadgets. Like, <laughs> right. It, it's it's like the modern gritty. The Batmobile in this game. Like, what is, what is even that car? Exactly. You know, it's just, it's insane. And I love how it's overdone in a way that's pretty cool, but not overbearing, I'd say. Yes, I think that's the perfect. I think that's the perfect yeah. end to uh, to explain the Arkham series. <laughs> uh, it's and, much, yeah, but I I like that. Yeah, uh, for people who might not know you, where are other places where people can get more of your hot takes on things? Hot other takes. Than, well, uh, when it comes to other media stuff, uh, the slash filmcast slash film com. We review, you know, the most popular, the biggest movie every week usually, and we talk about TVs and stuff. Um, and I also talk, uh, write about. In a gadgets and technology at engadget.com and we're doing a podcast there uh kind of reviving that after it's been dead for a couple of years nice. so check that out too yeah cool and we'll uh dlc is calling so we'll get you for find a time when you can spend more time all right just video very cool games. i love uh, i love video games and i love chatting with jess and you too so it, i'd love to come yeah awesome well thank you for taking the time this has been your batman arkham world spoilery bonus content 